Welcome to the Matrix Unveiled Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa. If you're ready to awaken your consciousness and take the red pill, keep listening. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. Ping up the room, ping up the room. We have a special guest tonight. We got Brother Wayne Chandler with us. He's a published author. I'm going to get into it and um, introduce him. Let me go ahead and get him into the room for you guys and ping up the room, ping up the room, ping up the room. Okay, guys, I'm just getting the room set up. Just getting the room set up. Ping up the room. Ping up the room. Ping up the room. Share the room in the hallways, guys. I'm trying to wait to get um, Brother Wayne in here. Y'all give me just a second. I'm trying to do a couple of things at the same time. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Okay, so what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about the book Ancient Future. There he is. Yay. You made it. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. AJ, Um, I'm going to move you down. I'm going to move Princeton down. And um, y'all, I'm gonna bring y'all back up, okay? I'm just trying to switch up the order of the stage. Okay, so welcome, 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 you guys. Welcome to the Matrix Unveiled. Let me make sure I gave everybody back their um, their beans. I'll come on the stage, ping up the room, ping up the room, ping up the room. Okay. So today, guys, we have a very special guest with us. We have Brother Wayne Chandler. His link is at the top. Um, Brother Wayne is someone that I have been knowing. He's actually a personal friend and he's somebody that I have been knowing for a very long time, about mm, seven, eight years, you know, give or take. Um, someone that I have, I consider a mentor that I have went to with um, a lot of my own questions, right? So, you know, like I tell you guys, you know, even though you may see me in teaching mode, I'm always a student. So let's talk, let me give you a little bit of background information about um, Brother Wayne. So Brother ba- Wayne B. Chandler, um, he's an author of the best-selling book, Ancient Future, the Teachings and Prophetic Wisdom of the Seven Hermetic Laws of Ancient Egypt, and an upcoming series, um, The Brighter Side of Darkness, A Light Warrior's Guide to Inner Alchemy and Spiritual Transformation. He is both a student and instructor of Qigong under Grandmaster Montauk Chia and senior instructor and master teacher Mink DeVos author of um, Tao, The Tao Tantric Arts for Women. He has um, had several satellite instructors who have um, added greatly to his understanding and discipline of Qigong, such as Grandmaster Yang Wing Ming, Tao uh, Wang, Senior Instructor and Master Teacher Sharon Smith, Wan Li, and Master Marilog. Wayne is also a practitioner in a special and advanced form of medical Qigong and has been under the tutelage of Grandmaster Shou Kok Su, Master Teacher Sybil Baker, and Master Stephen Ko. He um, holds certifications from that discipline in holographic 
repatterning, intuitive therapy, and chronic healing. And guys, I've actually um, participated um, in one of those sessions, um, which is like distance healing. And that helped me greatly. He helped me during a time when I was going through some things where I had to sort of like rebuild my aura. Um, and it really, really helped me a lot. Um, so Wayne has, uh, was one of the major national and international instructors asked to teach in March, 2022 at the global Qigong Sum summit. He designed and, and implemented the program, the alchemy of Qigong empowerment, which, um, he has taught online since 2009 and spearheaded seven day retreats with the same theme in Jamaica, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Egypt, the UK, Uganda, and Spain. And guys, he has one coming up this year. I believe it's in August. We'll let him tell us about it in Mexico. So um, his extracurricular activities include over 30 years of training and teaching in both the martial arts and yoga. He founded the Wealth Building Community Initiative, creating strategies for generating wealth while you sleep. As a music performer, he has worked with legendary jazz pianist Randy Weston for 20 years on various projects, the latest being a CD titled The Nubian, the Nubian Suite, released in 2018. So with that being said, Welcome, Wayne. How's it going? How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a lot better after getting through those uh, phone hiccups. <laughs> it's a little stressful, right? <laughs> Trying to figure out this, some of this technology that's going on, but I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's. It, I'm. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's. Uh, it's an area um, of conversation that I rarely get a chance to delve into um, just because of, of its content. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay, perfect. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, you know, we've been having conversations for years and you kind of know, like, as you know, someone that looks up to you, like how my mind works and you've seen my progress and you know, like, I'm always trying to figure things out. And so that's what I've been doing, but actually sharing that with an audience now, right? And I've been trying to build this quote unquote timeline of humanity, right? So you wrote a book um, called Ancient Future where you get into the um, seven alchemical principles, which we speak about a lot, you know, in um, the spaces that I hold and create um, via the Kabbalion of the three initiates. So we, we speak on that quite often. Um, however, can you just start us off with, you know, your perspective on how human, how um, our human, you know, race began here on Earth from like the time of Atlantis, Lemuria, and even if you know of um, before we actually fell into human form, and when did the man's, you know, the scent of man begin? I know that's a lot. So just, you know, pick up wherever you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a lot. You know, one of the things, one of the uh, texts that I, I, I came up with in terms of my studies into uh, metaphysics uh, back in the day um, was through a, uh, an author by the name of uh, Helena Petrova Bolivatsky. And in reading uh, one of her more acclaimed pieces, uh, the secret doctrine, she breaks down um, two, there's there's two books in this one book. One is called Cosmogenesis, and the other one is Anthropogenesis. And in Anthropogenesis, 
she breaks down the beginnings um, of the uh, formation, the design of what would come to be a human being and its completion. Now, what she did, just giving a little bit of background about her, she um, was writing in the 1800s. Uh, the Secret Doctrine was written, I believe it was 1888, when that book was um, released. And it was a basically a transmission of information that was given to her in part by one of her teachers, one of her master teachers that she had, you know, um, studied with in Tibet. So when she first went to Tibet, she had written a book called Isis Unveiled. And in that book, Isis Unveiled, she basically quoted many of the, um, you know, academics, academicians at that time who were, you know, of course, you know, uh, European and were very um, racist in terms of how they perceived history. So what she did is she began to travel to various places trying to uncover other aspects of the historical record and went into Tibet and was asking um, the monks there if she could have access to some of the uh, Kanans that were there that had been hidden there for millennia. And they wouldn't let her in. And they told her that where she was in her own development spiritually and what she had written with respect to the book before um, The Secret Doctrine, Isis Unveiled, was really misinformation. And they told her at that time that she would have to go on a sojourn and really uncover some of the true, authentic uh, information that these ancient civilizations held. So she was able to do that and came back about uh, eight years later and they gave her entrance and they allowed her to study. And in that process, they pretty much revealed to her a Kanan, uh, a, a book that was called um, the Book of Dijon. And the Book of Dijon was this incredible piece that had been handed down, you know, from one century to the next, one millennia to the next. And she was actually able, you know, to study and see the formation of, in terms of what was being written and how it was being formed and expressed, the development of the universe and its various principles, as well as humanity and its various principles. So with that, she was able 
to break down, you know, because when you read the secret doctrine, the secret doctrine is, is a profoundly intense piece of work. And most people who pick it up, they open it, they read a paragraph and they put it back down because that's how deep, you know, the book is. But she does get into an anthropogenesis, the formation of what would come to be humanity. And she explains that in the very beginning, we have various bodies within our own physical body. We have the astral form, the etheric, you know, we have several different bodies that are housed within the one. And when you look at the formation, you know, of what would later become a human being in its totality, it really begins with these astral forms and etheric bodies, which they called shadow bodies. And the longer the shadow body remained in contact with three-dimensional reality, it integrated with the energies of the earth and over, you know, literally millions of years, you know, we began to form or have a more solid uh, form of matter, which began to literally cover the shadow bodies, these etheric forms that one could really take their hand and move right through it and go from one end to the other side. So as these forms began to integrate more with the earth and what the earth was producing, was bringing, the earth began to literally create um, a covering, you know, for these specific forms, these shadow bodies. And that was the very beginning of the ascent into being uh, a, totality, a, a, a totality in terms of humanity or human form. And that led all the way up to what we identify right now as the fifth root race. But when you look at the shadow beings, these entities, that really began to move through from one millennia to the next, they really create a uh, stream of consciousness that deals with the, how you can say, the incarnated entities that came from different dimensional fields in different planes of existence and would incarnate into these different shadow bodies and literally create different levels of consciousness that they would be able to move, form, and deliver higher realms and expressions of that consciousness from one root race into the other.
And so in the book of Dijon, it gets into the nature and the process and procedure of the various root races, starting with this shadow race, which then, you know, has a covering created for it, which creates more or less a race that becomes, they refer to them as the egg born. And so they were literally reproducing in the way that, you know, we, we conceive uh, reptiles, you know, producing, you know, that they lay eggs and these eggs would then transform and generate a form of life, but that form of life was humanoid. And from the second root race, you then moved into, you know, the second root race, the egg born or the sweat born, as they refer to them, you then move into the third root race. In the third root race, this is when it gets really interesting because in the third root race, we identify the third root race today as Mu or the Lemurians. And the Lemurians constitute the third root race, which gave birth to the fourth root race. And that's when things really begin to get very exciting because that was the Atlantean race or the race that we identify as the Atlantean race. And when you get into the significance of what they created and how they were really the forerunners of all of the things that we now utilize and take for granted, you know, in terms of uh, aeronautics, um, in, in terms of the utilization of, of light energy for healing, uh, laser technology, um, you know, aeronautics in the, in the sense of they actually had planes which moved through the skies. They called them Vivans. And these Vivans were literally uh, like crystal-driven ships that through vibrational frequency would elevate from the ground and then have a pattern of direction that would allow the inhabitant of the ship to move through the air. And we actually, when I was working with uh, Dr. Van Sertiman, we did research and created this one book called Egypt Revisited. We actually found um, old documents which identify some of these ships that were in the ancient dynastic period of Kemet or Egypt. And it's really one of the things that I found to be fascinating was Edgar Cayce actually in one of his books got very profoundly and intricately <laughs> connected to Atlantean culture and civilization. And he talks about these Virwans. And 
he says that he refers to this group or community of organizers called the 64th Congress. And these individuals had to come together to deliberate on a critical uh, condition that they were being challenged with. And this condition that they were being challenged with <laughs> was that when these Viawans were moving through the air, they were being attacked by pterodactyls. And these pterodactyls would lay waste to many of these flying ships. Now being connected and integrated with the natural world at this time, they didn't want to just exterminate these flying reptiles because they had the technology to easily eradicate them. But they didn't want to do that, so they actually came together to determine how they were going to deal with this problem of them being in the skies and these winged reptilian creatures also being in the skies. So when you get into the uh, dynamics of Atlantean culture and civilization, you're looking at the first complete um, human species. So you're looking at all of the things that we carry and more, you know, because when you look at a lot of what um, is in the book of Dijon, there are things that are stated which gives insight to exactly how we ended up in this karmic dance that we're in right now. You know, so one of the um, stanzas is very fascinating, and it talks about Atlantis. It says, then the fourth became tall with pride. We are the kings, it was said. We are the gods. They took wives fair to look upon, wives from the mindless, the narrow-headed. They bred monsters, wicked demons, male and female. Also Kado Dakini with little minds. They built temples for the human body, male and female they worshiped. Then the third eye acted no longer. They built huge cities of rare earths and metals they built. And out of the fires vomited, out of the white stone of the mountains, and out of the black stone, they cut their own images in their size and likeness and worshiped them. They built great images, nine yatis high, the size of their bodies. Inner fires had destroyed the land of their fathers. The water threatened the fourth. The first great waters came. They swallowed the seven great islands. All holy save, the unholy destroyed. With them, 
most of the huge animals produced from the sweat of the earth. Few men remained, some yellow, some brown and black, and some red remained. The moon colored were gone forever. The fifth produced from the holy stock remained. It was ruled over by the first divine kings who redescended, who made peace with the fifth, who taught and instructed it. So when you read passages like that coming out of an ancient Canaan, it opens the mind to a variety of different prospects and just really shifting our perception of why we're here, what we're here to do, and what are the consequences of being here at this time and what it is that we came here to remember. And that's probably the greatest challenge that we have at this time is remembering who we are, what we are, and why we're here. You know, when you look at the word Adam, Adam comes from the word Adimi, and Adimi literally translates into the dark race. So the Adamic race was the race that we now refer to as the Atlantean species. And it was this race that in its totality, you know, dealing with all the different aspects of transcendent behavior and perception that they carry, they also dealt with tone, you know, hearing. Um, their bodies were massively formed. I mean, in terms of size, they were probably averaging anywhere between nine to 10 feet in height, easy. And when you look at the passages that tell the story of their civilization, there's so much that we've been given with respect to the information about Ham and Ham being the father, you know, of the black race, but at the same time being cursed. Now, a lot of historians really have issues with that translation. But the thing is, when you go back into the antediluvian canons, things begin to make sense because the civilization of Atlantis lasted for four million years, for four million years. Lemuria lasted for 10 million years. So what happened in the latter stages of the Atlantean empire came with and at the expense of a 
degenerative condition that basically had flowed over large areas of the continent. But the thing with the continent, the Atlantean continent, is that it was broken down into two continental regions. One was called Ruta, the other one was called Daicha. And Daicha was the area where a lot of what we now are living through was first initiated and created in terms of genetic engineering, in terms of high level uh, technologies that had profound impact on consciousness, both good and bad. So what we're seeing now, because they actually applied and utilized those technologies on a species that they genetically engineered. And so when you look at what's taking place right now on the planet, <laughs> the karma is just profound to me because I understand the story in its entirety. I get the story. And so most of us that are here now, you know, we talk about our ancestors, but we can never forget the wheel of incarnation because we are our ancestors. And we are here now. Most of us have come from that Atlantean portal. And we're here to work out these last karmic underpinnings that we've been carrying, you know, for millennia. Wow. Wow. Okay, I'm going to mute. I got to mute your mic real quick because I'm getting some feedback. Um, wow, that was amazing, guys. And that's what scholarship sounds like, right? With actual real data. Um, my mind is like, um, not that I haven't heard this before, but just the way that you broke it down um, and unpacked it right from the beginning, um, it's just astounding, you know? And so what I want to ask you, right, you know, we're going to bring it forth because it's the ancient and the future, which it all brings it together, okay? Um so it sounds like to me, if you said the Lemurian was like, um, their culture was 9 million years and then 4 million years for the Atlanteans, um, at what point, so it sounds like we were already beginning um, in a fallen state, what is the third dimension. What are your thoughts on the Sumerian tablets and the Anunnaki, you know, coming from the planet um, Nibiru and coming to interact with the earth beings? What are your thoughts on that? The Sumerian didn't have long division. Who was that? Jim in Mountain View. Go ahead, Wayne. Oh, okay. So on, to unmute your mic, all you have to do is like look at your screen at the bottom right. There's a little microphone. So you just like um, click that microphone and it will unmute your microphone and you'll be able to talk. Sorry about that. I had to mute you because um, when I was speaking, there was like an echo.
Yeah. Wayne, um, just look at the bottom, uh, look at your screen. And at the bottom right of your screen, there's a, like a, the bottom right, <clears throat> there's a little microphone. And so if you click that microphone, you'll be able to unmute your, you know, you'll be able to speak. Perfect. Got it. All right. <laughs> We're live. Okay. So I was asking, did you hear my question about like, I did, um, I okay. did. And, and, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of validity, you know, in that, that, um, is, is really pretty profound and it, it goes into, um, during the period that became the area of destruction because of what was implemented by the Atlantean uh, were this one aspect of the Atlantean race that um, <laughs> they really um, got to a place because see they were very different like a lot of the things that we're doing right now with respect to nanotechnology genetic engineering and you know all of the things that we are now being challenged with from the shots that are being administered to the uh upcoming form uh, of central bank digital currency that is nanotech driven you know, we are totally expressing this in this day and time through a three-dimensional construct. But the way the Atlanteans had everything set up was that they moved through the natural order of things. So what do I mean by that? So for example, here at this particular time in 3D, we have harp now harp is a weather modification system that allows different uh systems to activate in different parts of the world once harp directs its pulse to that particular location the atlanteans they actually controlled the entities that created weather, earth, fire. You know, they actually were superior to these entities and these entities were basically un under, under their domain and took orders from them in terms of what needed to be done and when. So when you get into um, the book of Dijon, there's one, there's one area where it talks about the, uh, the breakdown. And let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Okay. Okay. And it says, um, well, she breaks, she breaks down, 
the the formation and the creation of, of these beings that they really got very profoundly deep into. And one of the books, if you ever want to see this in, in uh, 3D, in terms of an artistic rendering, you want to see if you can find the book titled Milk and Honey. Because that book is a pictorial creation of what transpired on Atlantis. And it's done by an artist who I was actually able to befriend. And many of you may know this artist or at least have seen his work. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're familiar with Santana Abraxas, he did the uh, album cover for that. If you're familiar with Miles Davis's Bitches Brew and Live Evil, he did the paintings for that. You know, so if you can find this book, it will blow you away because in this book, he details an amazing artwork, all of what transpired during that time with the Atlanteans and this genetically engineered race that they began to integrate with. But when you look at this one piece, this one piece says, and with respect to what you just asked, it says, and the great king, and this is from the book of Dijon, it says, and the great king, of the dazzling face, the chief of all the yellow face was sad seeing the sins of the black face. He sent his air vehicles, his viwans, to all his brother chiefs, chiefs of other nations and tribes, with men within saying, prepare, arise you men of the good law, and cross the land while yet dry. The lords of the storm are approaching. Their chariots are nearing the land. One night and two days only shall the lords of the dark face, the sorcerers live on this patient land. She is doomed and they have to descend with her. The nether lords of the fires the gomes and fire elementals are preparing their magic, their fire weapons worked by magic. But the lords of the dark eye, the evil eye, are stronger than they, the elementals. And they are the slaves of the mighty ones. So right there, you are being told that this one faction of the Atlantean culture, that they had steeped themselves and developed themselves to such an extent that the elementals, which oversaw and basically created the undergrid for how weather patterns formed, how the earth 
reshaped, you know, how the rains fell from the sky. They were all under the influence of these beings. And it goes on and it says that they are versed and Ashtaravidya, the highest of magical knowledge. Come and use yours, use your magic, use your power in order to counteract those of the sorcerers. Let every lord of the dazzling face and adept of the higher magic cause the vilwan of every lord of the dark face to come into his hands or possession. Least any of the sorcerers should by their means escape from the rising waters and avoid the rod of the karmic four. Wayne, and say, Wayne, yes. May I ask may you, I, not, not about the past, but the future. I just posted a link onto the room chat from the machine learning subreddit. The discussion of the. We're not doing that, guys. I will open up the floor for questions. Okay. Um, guys, listen, before you bring anybody up on stage, make sure you check their bio. Um, we don't want anybody on stage because everyone is. You know, y'all already know how this goes when we have a guest on here. No, no one is going to speak until I open up the floor um, for questioning. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Wayne. I'm sorry about that. Please continue. So it says, may every yellow face send sleep from himself to mesmerize to every black face. May even they, the sorcerers, avoid pain and suffering. May every man, true to the solar gods, bind every man under the lunar gods, lest he should suffer or escape his destiny. And may every yellow face offer of his life water, his blood, to the speaking animal of a black face, lest he awaken his master. The hour has struck, the black night is ready. Let their destiny be accomplished. We are the servants of the great four. May the kings of light return. The great king fell upon his dazzling face and wept. When the kings assembled, the waters had already moved. But the nations had now crossed the dry lands. They were beyond the watermark. Their kings reached them in their vilwans and led them onto the lands of fire and metal, the east and the north. In a later passage, it goes on and it says, the speaking beast, the magic watchers kept quiet. The netherlords waited for orders, but they came not for their masters slept. The waters arose and covered the valleys from one end of the earth to the other. Highlands remained, the bottom of the earth, the land of the antipodes remained dry. There dwelt those who escaped, the men of the yellow faces, and of the straight eye, the frank and sincere 
people. When the lords of the dark faces awoke and bethought themselves of their virwans in order to escape the rising waters, they found them gone. And then another passage, and this is the last one I'm going to uh, uh, deliver. It says, the stronger, more powerful of these magicians awoke earlier than the others, pursuing those who had exploit them and who were in the rear guard. For those nations that were led away were as thick as the stars of the Milky Way. Like as a dragon snake uncoils slowly its body, so the sons of men, led on by the sons of wisdom, opened their folds and spreading out, expanded like a running stream of sweet waters. Yet the pursuers, whose heads and chests soared high above the rising waters, chased them for three lunar terms until finally, reached by the rising waves, they perished to the last man, the soil sinking under their feet and the earth engulfing those who had desecrated her. So you get into this storyline that now begins to make sense when you talk about Noah. Um, when you hear the uh, the the, uh, the stories, you know of of um, the sea parting, and you know um, in 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 ancient uh, Kemet, and you you hear this this story of you know these people being moved through and out of one location, which in that time supposedly was Egypt, but it really wasn't Egypt. All of those storylines come way before what transpired historically during that time, that later time period. But with respect to earth changes, we've had several and they're ongoing. You know, one of the things that I discuss in Ancient Future, I have a whole segment that talks about the shifting of the poles and how far back that goes into antiquity. You know, just when you look at the Great Pyramid, the Great Pyramid, one of the largest structures on the face of the earth, at the very top where they still have some of the casing stones, this one archeologist by the name of Harold Getzinger literally pulled off aquatic crustaceans and carbon dated them, you know, to like 43,000 years prior to the building of the, the, uh, the pyramids. So the pyramid was literally underwater, which means that Egypt, Kemet, 
was underwater for a long time, you know? So we, we really don't know in terms of timelines, you know, what has transpired during this era and during the antediluvian world, which is literally translated as the world before the flood, because there was an entirely new and different way of being, you know, during the antediluvian epoch. And what we're working with now is deeply and profoundly karmic. And that's why the remembrance of what has transpired prior to our arrival, to our incarnation here during this time is so important, so imperative to understand because it has everything to do with how we will navigate our current reality in this particular uh, moment in history, because we have profound challenges that are afoot. And if we don't know, if we don't have an understanding of how to navigate that and secure ourselves from the inside out, then we're gonna be uh, a doomed species. We're not gonna make it out. Wow. Wow. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Wayne. A few questions. A few I'm questions. Gonna... I'm going to. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Wow. You muted your mic. Okay. Perfect. So, wow. That was like, um, that is, that's the whole point that we're trying to get to, right? From the beginning to where we are now. And you've laid a pretty good foundation. Really quickly, uh, Wayne, the book that you were reading from, was that the book of design? Was that the book you were reading from those passages? Because I want to make sure that people have references so that if they want to, you know, uh, cross-reference and, and pick up that information for themselves, they're able to do that. Bottom right of the screen. <laughs> that looks oh, like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was the book. <laughs> that was the book of Dijon. Okay. And um those were stanzas. Those were specific stanzas that I was reading from that book. Now, what's really a story, you know, that is, is really um, fascinating to me is I had a friend and he was a mentor. And really, he, he was a brother that literally, and I mean this in the literal sense, taught me how to walk. Um, but he would later go to India and there, he studied, um, you know, in, in many of the temples. But at one point, he really wanted to further and deepen his study. So he went into Tibet and they allowed him entrance into Tibet where he studied uh, at one of the temples there. And after being there for a little less than a year, they took him downstairs into this underground library, they pulled out this book, which they said was the most sacred of all of their books. And I believe that it was probably the book of Dijon, but he told me 
they laid this huge book on the table and they looked at him and they said, this is your book. We're just holding it for you when you all awaken. Wow. Wow. That's, 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 that's super deep. Okay. So just for, okay. So I'm looking at the book of design, design on Amazon. It's the, the known text, the secret doctrine, additional sources, a life of, um, Madame Blavatsky is, um, a call of Cthulhu fiction. Am I looking at the wrong book? I feel like I'm looking at the wrong book. Bottom right of the screen. Right there, unmute your mic. <laughs> there we so go. So why does it keep doing that? No, I guess I have to unmute you because if it's we just have the technology, many, right? Yeah, if we have too many, like usually when we speak, we'll just mute up so that the other person can speak because if not, there's like feedback. And so I'm muting you so that I can speak because every time I speak when we're both are my got turn, we're I got away. you. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So you have to like mute, unmute. That's yeah. That's why it keeps doing that. Because I'm okay. You. Yeah. So the, the one that I'm looking at online, I'm wondering, is it the right book? Because it's like the book of design, um, the known text, the secret doctrine, additional sources, a life of um, Madame Blavatsky, Call of Cthulhu fiction. Is that it? I don't think that's it. That sounds like part of it, but okay. once again, um, what's the last uh, statement regarding fiction? Well, it's in um, like parentheses. So it says Call of Cthulhu fiction, but I'll find it. I'll find the book of design. I'll post it in for all the members of the Discord guys. I'll post, I'll find the, the right book. I'll sort it out. I'm passing because I'm really huge on references. You know what I'm saying? So um, listen, that's, guys. That's, it's the secret doctrine carries the uh, the stanzas of Dijon. I, I have that book. And you weren't lying when you said people pick that book up. <laughs> it's so, that book is crazy. Okay. it That book is like, literally, you will be stuck on two pages. Um, it is definitely not a book to read from cover to cover. I've read several chapters of it, um, you know, when she talks about the cosmic egg, all of that. But at the time, I wasn't ready. I did put it down, but I have the book. It's huge. It's on my bookshelf, and I'm going to revisit it um, in, in doses. You know what I'm saying? It's super um, advanced, and it's definitely for the adepts. You know what I'm saying? And I'm working my way up through that. But I um, appreciate that. I appreciate the reference. And so... Um, let me just uh, switch the conversation a little bit because I know that your time is limited and I want to, you know, be able to um, get certain points out of you and then also um, open up the stage so that people can ask you questions. Now, um, as we, we were talking about all of this that you've already laid as our beginnings and it's hard to establish a timeline 100% because as history has been written and rewritten, it's, you know, they're purposefully hiding, you know, um, archaeological evidence and you know, the things that actually took place throughout history, even when you talked about the poles being shifted, you know, that's something that um, a lot of us are starting to, you know, become aware of, right? But when throughout history, these individuals that came down to our planet, right, when we talk about um, the book of Enoch and 
the Nephilim and, you know, the, the watchers and all of these, you know, the, the fallen angels and all of these things. Um, when we get into the giants, how does that fit into our human history? Um, briefly, if you will. Yeah, because I mean, we, we've always been giants. I mean, when you, when you look back on the time, see, this is, this is the thing. See, a lot of people, again, we have to deal with these fraudulent timelines. So the timeline that's been given us for Atlantis is really what they call Plato's Atlantis, you know, and Plato's Atlantis was a continent called Poseidonus. And with Poseidonus, that was only about 12,000, you know, uh, BCE. But when you look at the actual real authentic continent civilization of Atlantis, it was submerged 800,000 years ago. That's almost a million years that it went under. Now, when you look at the fact that in that last passage that I read of the dazzling face and them coming and the watchers and coming to deal karmically with those that had desecrated the earth, we're talking about ETs because there was always a relationship with those high civilizations of Atlantis with those extraterrestrial. You know, that contact was always there. It's only been of late during our particular, the latter part of this epoch that all of that has been like, wow, well, let's back off and let's give uh, this experience time to germinate and see what it produces, because uh, this is a wacky world. So I believe that the giants have always been a part of our reality. But when you get into pole shifting, this, this is what is so significant about the reversal of the axis. Because when the axis shift and reverse, then how life expands reverses. So when the pole shifted the last time, and that pole shift was 12,500 years ago, you had more of a diminutive stature that was formed in humanity because of the spin of the earth. Because when the poles shift, that spin is reversed. And that frequency that is generated from that spin is either going to dictate an expansive quality for life on the earth or diminutive quality for life on the earth. And we're going in the opposite direction. And that's why human beings have really shrunken in stature. But giants have always been 
part and parcel, you know, to the history of, of, of uh, civilization on this planet. I mean, even like Clifford L. Burdick in the uh, 1950s was doing research um, in a dried riverbed called the Paloxi Riverbed. And this was really profound because what he discovered were these, as he stated, formidable footprints of a human being that was walking in this area that was now this dried riverbed. But what was even more profound was that walking next to him were dinosaur footprints. And he may cast of these you know, molds, of these footprints, and sent them around the world to every scientific laboratory to have them validated and have them discussed in some of the scientific journals. But you know what? They just disappeared, like many of the other evidence in terms of giant species that, you know, wandered the earth during those times. Of course. Of course. We just, um, I just had a room a couple of days ago uh, where I had a brother Rod Hayes on here. And, you know, during my research, I found out that there was a whole Smithsonian cover-up about the giants, right? And, um, you know, it was alluded to that, you know, it's in order to keep us from knowing basically our human, um, what our origins are, and, you know, um, the fact that, you know, that we're not actually evolving <laughs> and that we're in a de-evolutionary process, which makes sense to me. Like, I've been saying this for years. You know, if you think about who we were and these cosmic beings, now we're in these, you know, in these um, very fragile bodies dealing with duality, right? And capable of many great things, but also capable of the opposite of those great things, right? Um, so it, it definitely, and you just, all you have to do is just be an observer, a watcher, right? And then you can just look around and see basically what is going on with humanity. There's no way that we are at the height of who we are. And so that's actually the perfect segue um, into the next question that I want to ask you. Can you talk to us? I know you're very well versed and very well um, done a lot of studies um, on the the different ages that we go through and the different epochs. You've mentioned the word epoch a few times. Can you break down to, because I believe, you know, what I've been saying is that we're, I feel things, I channel information, you know what I mean? So I don't have all of the data that you have, but I just know that we are at now a crossroads, right? Well, let's say a, a fork in the road, right? That if we don't shift the consciousness of humanity, that we're going to go down one path. And if we do, then we'll go down another path. And each one of these roads will take us, you know, one road will lead to dystopia and the other road will lead us to um, a new golden age. You know, what are your thoughts about that? And can you share with us the science of the different yugas that we're, um, that we experience on earth? Yeah. Um, the yuga that we're in right now uh is is called the the uh the Cali in um 
the uh, the ancient uh, traditions of of uh, ancient India, um, and the Kali is is very unique. The, the first the first of the yugas is the uh, the Krita or or the Satya Yuga, and that yuga lasts uh, for about one million seven hundred and uh, twenty eight uh, thousand years, and it's considered to be um, the golden age, uh, an age of enlightenment, an age of truth, purity. Uh, the second of those ages is the Treta Yuga, which lasts for 1,296,000 years. And, you know, it, it also is an age of expansion, also an age of purity, uh, balance, but it's less perfected, you know, than, than the first. And then the third age, is the uh, Dwapara, the uh, Dwapara Yuga, which lasts for 864,000 years. And it's characterized by the emergence of um, conflicting forces, you know, um, forces that uh, in that cycle begin to create inharmonious accords and eventually, you know, exhibits this struggle between that which is or how it's perceived as the high and the low, the good and the evil. And then you move into the fourth of these uh, ages, which is the Kali. Now, what is really deep about the Kali is that the Kali began in about... Uh, about one, about now thirteen oh 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 four, um, or I'm sorry, three thousand uh, one oh four uh, BC. Um, we look for the beginning, you know, of uh, the Kali Yuga. But the thing with the Kali Yuga that makes it very unique is that it has, like a lot of people right now, are waiting for this age of light, the return of, you know, these angelic symbolic forces. Um, others refer to it as Christ consciousness, but basically this enlightened state that will engulf all of humanity. And the thing with the Kali is that it literally has all of the other ages. Now, the Kali is the age of darkness. It's the age of despicability. It's the age of a draconian, nefarious consciousness that is all about the manipulation, you know, of humanity, the direction of humanity. There is nothing. If you stop and you look at the environment in which you live right now, when you look at the earth, the one thing that is profoundly lacking everywhere you look is a spiritual fabric. There's no spiritual fabric that is binding 
in the planet that allows human consciousness to ascend in the ways that it was designed to ascend and to have those specific types of personalities, sentient entities in charge to make sure that humanity is moving towards a greater expression and refinement of itself, they're not there. They're not there. You know, so when you look at what took place, one of the things that happened, when you look at the Mayan uh, calendar, the Mayan fifth world ended in 1987. And between 1987 and 2011 was a period that, you know, was pretty much one that denoted the need to make a choice. The energy frequencies were all over the place. And it was up to individuals in, in, in the human collective to determine what it was they wanted to do, where they wanted to go, where they wanted to go up or down, right or left. The sixth world, the Mayan sixth world began in 2012. Now, in 2012, we had all of these movies and, 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 and a lot of dialogue regarding the end of time. But what the Mayans were saying had nothing to do with time as we understand it, as we frame it. It had everything to do with frequency. So they were saying that it was the end of three-dimensional time, that frequencies were going to download onto the planet that were going to accelerate how humanity responded to cosmological force and direction. So the deep thing about the sixth world the Mayans say that the sixth world is blank and it's up to us to create as co-creators the direction, the cultivation of the world and the reality that we want to navigate. Do you think, do you think, do you think, do you think that's, 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 hold on, I gotta mute you. Do you think that that's the reason why the um, quote unquote powers that be um, at this particular time in history, you know, hit us with, um, you know, this COVID, the great reset um, agenda 21 that is now turning to agenda 2030 because they understand the um, occult nature of what has taken place, the metaphysics of it. They understand history, the very tools that they have been using, the knowledge and science that they've been using, which they got from our ancients to run the world and to stay in power. And they know that that they're at risk at this point of losing rulership. Um, they know that this blank slate is there. 
So they're trying to create an imprint to bring us into this new, um, you know, this new age. They're trying to create what hasn't been created by bringing in artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts on that? And then um, we're going to shift the conversation because I know we could be here all day. I got a million questions for you, but I know that your time is limited. So, yeah. What do you think about that? So that's on point, very much on point. You know, one of the things and, you know, I don't I don't because I know a lot of people. I have family. I have friends, you know, that have, you know, received uh, the shot. Um, but there's a lot that's going on right now that is so karmically wrapped up in what constitutes the direction of humanity. And so I could go off in a multitude of different directions and breaking that down, but the end game of all of this is really centered around what's called the VMAT2 gene. And many of us refer to that gene as the God gene. And the God gene is what is in peril right now because that is our connection as transmitters and as receivers for these cosmological forces that are now being downloaded onto the planet for us to take that, repattern ourselves with those frequencies, be able to address the various timelines because there are a multitude of different timelines that are now being manifested in this reality. But you have to do the specific practices to lock in to those specific timelines or your specific timeline that resonates with you and for you. And it's all based on holographics. It's all based on the nature of the universe is holographic and the timelines that are now moving through our current reality are there for us to lock into integrate with to create the kind of realities that we want to have but once the god gene is taken offline once that happens we no longer become the transmitters we no longer become the available uh, recipients of this vibrational energy that cosmologically is being downloaded onto the planet. So to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, they know. <laughs> so um, so um, my, my next question is this. I remember, you know, we've known each other for years, right? And of course, you know that um I listened to a lot of Bobby Hemet's teachings, right? And so one day um, I was listening to Bobby Hemet and he was talking about the gods, you know, how we are the gods and the gods are here on the planet and things of that nature. And then he spoke, he told a story about this guy um, that got, you know, he, that got walked out in front of a vehicle and got hit, you know, by this vehicle, flew up into the air and landed on his feet like a superhero. And I was like, oh my God, 
But then he said the guy's name and the guy was you. <laughs> so I was like, what? You know what I mean? I got to call him. So um, I did call you. Remember that conversation? And I'm like, okay, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? And so can you talk to the people about your practices and what you've been doing over the years to, um, you know, a little bit about Qi energy, your Qigong practices and, you know, how, because guys, this is about solutions, right? We've gone through the conversation, you know, and, and I am going to open up the floor in just a few minutes, you know, for um, questions and things of that nature. But, you know, this is, we want to go full spectrum here because we, you know, he's spoken about these different things, but how, what are we supposed to do next? Right. And it, you know, one of the things that I feel that's important for us to know as far as practices is about Qigong. And I'm not nowhere close to being a Qigong master or anything like that. I've been a recipient of the healing um, energetically from um, Brother Wayne. And, you know, I have also done Qigong practices just from YouTube and stuff like that. And it does balance your energy out. So can you talk to the people about that? And what is it? Tell us about that experience when you got hit by a car and you got hit by a car. What kind of force field do you have around you that you were not hurt, that you were able to fly up into the air and then just basically land back down on your feet? Bottom right corner. <laughs> He's trying to unmute his mic, guys. This is his first time on Clubhouse. So the bottom right corner. Everybody. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, that um, experience, first... <laughs> First, let me clarify. I did not walk out in front of a car. I was actually getting ready to get into my car. Um, I had a friend with me. I was driving up from Tuskegee, Alabama, um, and I stopped, picked up a friend in D.C. because I knew she would be the only person that would be awake at that time. So she was making moves with me as I was traveling around the city um, doing, uh, you know, chores, picking up stuff, you know, stuff that I can't get up here where I live. And <laughs> I was getting into the, the, the on the driver's side, I uh, popped, the, popped the clock. Popped the clutch, the uh, the uh, the door, so that she could get in, and um, when I got ready to open my car door, I got hit by a Ford Explorer SUV, and it knocked me it knocked me about three car lengths forward and about 15, 20 feet up in the air. And um, when I was up there, I mean, it was an, an amazing experience. And I was upside down, but time had shifted. Time had really just moved into a different frequency altogether. And so I was able to look at what was happening in real time 
but from a very transcendent place. So I looked at the sky and I said, wow, sky is so blue, you know? And then the next thought that came to my mind was, wow, this is what it feels like to fly. And then the next thought that came to my mind was, wow, I'm flying, I'm upside down, how am I going to land? And the next thing that happened was I flipped. My body just flipped in the air and I landed on my toes, knees bent, and my fingertips. And the people who were around just completely and totally freaked out. And so I stood up and everybody bum rushed me and dragged me back down on the ground. Get down, get down. And I said to myself, wow, you know, like, I, that, there must be something wrong, you know, because I just got hit. Because I didn't know what had happened at first. The impact was so just intense. And it wasn't until I was up floating and flying through the air that I recognized the fact that I had been hit by, by a vehicle. And I laid there in the street for a couple of minutes. But while I laid there, you know, I mean, the only reason that I stood up after I flipped and landed, the only reason I stood up was because I had already gone inside my body and had checked for damage. There was no damage. So wow. I stood up. And, but then, you know, it was, when we look at fear and how fear is transferred, it's, it's really, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, because that's what, Everybody else's fear like was directed at me and I really absorbed that for a minute and actually laid down in the street like an idiot. <laughs> and, uh, until I'm laying there and I'm then I go, man, you know there's nothing wrong with you. Stand your ass up and get on the sidewalk. And so that's what I did. You know, I got up, went and just sat down on a ledge, you know, on the sidewalk. And uh, this policeman who was off duty was there and saw the whole thing. He came over, he said, you, you know, you, you're good, you're okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, and he said, man, I've been a police officer for 25 years. And in 25 years, I ain't never seen no shit like that. And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, well, I've never experienced anything like that. But um, Qigong, like really, you know, it's amazing. It's my life. It's my life in the sense that it allows me to integrate with all aspects and factions of our current reality and move me beyond 
the reality that I have to deal with in practical ways on a daily basis. You know, like I do my practices every day, every day. And if something happens or comes up where I cannot do my practices on that particular given day, I feel naked when I go out, even though I know I'm not. Because I know that <laughs> when you've put in the time and the study and the effort and the levels of cultivation that I have put in, you know, to develop my chi body, that I'm okay. I'm good. But one of the things when I move out into the world, I always use what's called Kachari Mudra. And Kachari Mudra is tongue connection. And tongue connection is what connects the main energetic circuits in the human body. And once those circuits are created, it generates a force field around the body. And if you're doing practice, that force field just solidifies more and more and becomes, even in its solidification, becomes more and more resilient. And so it's able to expand when it needs to. It's able to contract when it needs to. You know, so if there's somebody around me, for example, who is giving off really toxic energy, all I have to do is think a thought and just fold my arms across my chest and my field shrinks and collapse. But the thing is, with respect to practices like that during these times, it can be easily explained away by just one phrase. The only way out is in. And that's it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Powerful. That's super powerful. Ooh, that's a lot, guys. And that's a that's a real story. Like um, I heard that story from Bobby Hemet. And like I said, the Qigong um, is, you know, something that I have experienced at a distance, you know, um, where, you know, Wayne's done healing work on me um, during a particularly difficult time in my life, you know. And so, like I said, he's been there. You know, I know him personally and I've had an opportunity to really just, you know, as I was had all these amazing questions, you know, like have this person I could just dial up on the phone and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think? you know, about this. And so, you know, that's helped me along in my personal journey as well. Um, guys, listen, I have his link posted at the top. If you want to get in contact with um, Brother Wayne Chandler, um, that is his website. Okay. And so if you want to become like a part of, um, you know, uh, his practices or you need some energetic work or anything like that. And it's, it's not just what you hear on the internet. It's the, we, this is a, it's not the work culture. I'm sorry, the woke, the woke culture. It's not that. This is not YouTube University. This is a real adept, you know, a scholar, someone that has been studying it. If you guys came to the room later, you must absolutely go back and listen to the replays. It's going to, this episode is going to be up on the podcast. So make sure you're following the Matrix Unveiled. Make sure you follow the podcast. 
If you're not following the club, follow the club, follow myself, turn my bell on to always so you will never miss amazing rooms like this. Make sure you give Brother Wayne a follow and follow all the moderators on the stage. You know, um, but Wayne, you have a retreat coming up. I'm about to open, I'll wait to get to that in a moment. But guys, that's how you can connect with him by clicking on his website. He's also on Facebook. He is not a huge social media person um, because he's out here doing the things, living life and, you know, actually helping to shift the grid, you know, with his actions and with the information and the workshops that he does every single year. You know, he does um, workshops, um, hands-on retreats in many different locations, you know, Jamaica, Costa Rica, different places. This year, he's going to be going to Mexico. Um, so definitely tap in with him for that. But I do want to go ahead and open up the floor for questions, guys. Please be respectful. This is a very rare opportunity. This man does not go everywhere, you know. Uh, so it's a very unique experience to actually have him here on Clubhouse to be able to interact and ask questions. But yes, who would like to ask a question to Brother Wayne? The floor is open. Lisa, this is Lisa. Um, hi, Wayne. I really don't have a question, but I have a statement. And what you just said is absolutely true. I have been in class with Wayne Chandler and he is absolutely the truth. You feel like a different human <laughs> after he's done and the things that he can do is utterly shocking. And um, I practice with him whenever he's in Chicago and go to his website, do anything you can with him because it will change all of your molecules. And uh, with that, I relinquish the mic. That's all I had to say. Thank you, Lisa. Anyone have a question for Wayne? If you have a question for Wayne, guys, just tap your mics and I'll call on one of you. Okay, so Anthea, go ahead. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you for hosting this space and inviting Brother Chandler to to Clubhouse. Uh, Brother Chandler, thank you for your continuing your continual efforts for doing the inner work and your tireless uh, spreading of your wisdom. You, you're a living legend to me. I've spoken to you before. I don't know whether you remember me. My question is this. I'm a Montessori practitioner and I always speak about protecting the spontaneous manifestations of children. Could you speak about what you would advise parents to do in regards to protecting that child's spontaneous manifestations i think the educational system does uh you know a hell of a hell of a job uh with with our children and i just would like to to hear from you what your perspectives are on the protection of uh the child's natural being thank you yeah i believe right now that homeschooling is probably one of the strongest um tools for self-cultivation when it comes to that um, that's something that is a necessity to be em employed um, when the child, if they're in school, when they get home, there has to be some exchange between the child and his parents in terms of transmitting um, authentic information, you know, and not just lamb blasting the child with that information but actually sitting with the child and listening asking well what did you learn today and then being able to go in with 
you know, a critical approach, you know, in terms of just thinking critically, you know, what they receive and how in line that is with their own personal development and their own personal growth. Those are the things that are imperative right now, you know, in terms of just creating a strong bond in our generations. You know, there's, um, if I can, uh, if I can remember uh, this quote, it's, um, it is said that what is called the spirit of an age is something to which one cannot return. That this spirit dissipates is due to the world's coming to an end. Though one would like to change today's world back to the spirit of 5,000 years ago or more, it cannot be done. Therefore, we must make the best out of every generation. And that's an old ancient um, Japanese text, but it speaks to the need of focusing on the generations that are going to be out front and creating our tomorrows. And if we can't nurture, refine, and cultivate them properly, then our tomorrow is dim. Thank you, Thank you so much. Okay, anyone else? Um, next question, guys, just tap your mics and I will go ahead and call on you. Do you have a question for Brother Wayne? Okay, so I think it's uh, Madaraki. Mm -hmm. Go ahead with your question. Uh, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much. I appreciate um, you, Lisa. And um, Brother Wayne, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad I was able to be here. Uh, peace to the room, everyone. Um, um, I'm actually um, in the process of a book um, that I wanted to, to kind of use to help connect people back to their chi, which um, I kind of have been known as a, somewhat of an energy healer myself. But I know I, I want to do more work in terms of, um, I guess the qigong seems like something. But is 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 that um, how you like did your practices? Is qigong the only way? Because I also know of you know like in our culture and um, the evil culture that I know that we tend to kind of focus on qi. But it's like seems like people only know of the Asian methods. And I, I guess I was just curious if you have any other methods of, of things and, um, and um, how do I get into your program and stuff like that? Well, hey, Wayne, before you answer yeah. that question, um, can we just like talk about how the ancient culture of Asia? Yeah, is... I'm getting ready to do that. Yes, yeah, that's please, what I want to know more about. <laughs> yeah, so when we, when we go back historically and we look at the genesis of, you know, many of the cultures of the ancient world, especially those that took the banner of civilization and expanded that and created a global template that all others would follow, you're looking at um, an influence that is uh, African-centered. You know, so 
the first dynasties in China, which was the Zi dynasty and the Shang dynasty, um, you're looking at, you know, black dynasties. And they literally laid the foundation of culture in China that persists to this very day. Um, I've written extensively on that. As a matter of fact, we did a, a book when I was working and writing for uh, Dr. Van Sertema out of Rutgers University. We did a book called The African Presence in Early Asia. And it goes in and illuminates, you know, that body of information that shows that the first dynasties of China were black. The first dynasties, civilizations of India were black. The first dynasties, civilizations of Southeast Asia were black. So when you talk about um, Asian culture and you're talking about the science that evolved from that, you're really talking about black science, you know, and black culture, you know, because that's where it began. And that's one of the things that, you know, basically in, in a large extent, you know, is not known. So for example, you said uh, you're Igbo? I am. Your your system, I talked about the yugas. I talked about the four stages, you know, and cycles that we undergo, this being the Kali. Now, I can go into your culture, which is what I really should have done anyway, and the first of those cycles is called the Uga Aka. And the Uga Aka deals with pure spirit and immortality. The second of those cycles is called the Uga Chi. And the Uga Chi deals with duality, intuition, and telepathy, but it's the first cycle where death makes itself known. The third cycle is called the Uga Anwu. And the Uga Anwu deals with the children of light, the children who express and reflect the one eye. And at that particular point, at the latter part of that particular cycle, that's when you begin to see, you know, these destructive energies that are now beginning to manifest. And then the fourth cycle, which corresponds to the Kali, is the Uga Azi. And the Uga Azi deals with ignorance, evil, and confusion as it covers the earth. So there's a blending, you know, because and with the ancient blacks in India, they referred to them as yugas with a Y, but in your culture, it's just uga, U-G-A, you know, but it says the exact same thing. So all information, 
that is utilized, functional, and pervasive in terms of high culture and expanded transcendent consciousness has its base, its root from all of what I've been able to see in Africa. That does not mean that it has not been embellished in various ways as those particular specific cultures embrace those tools, those forms, you know, of, of uh, spirit, spirituality and, you know, added their own uh, flavor to them. I understand. And I appreciate you saying this because I do know what you're talking about, the Ghazi and Oganya and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I, I'm, I've, I've dived into it, but I'm interested in learning more so that um, my work also can, you know, be more um, effective as well and as my own personal development. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Manaraki. So, guys, I just want to say this really quickly um, before I move to the next question is this. Like, we have to, if we're going to um, think about transcendence, right, and bring in, like, oneness, um, we have to somehow figure out a way within ourselves internally to rise above separation. You know what I'm saying? Um, and this is this, that's that. Because, you know, at the beginning, it was the all right? There was, this was the all. And so out of the all came everything. Okay. So, you know, all this stuff down here, you know, if, you know, listen, science has said that the oldest bones that they have found on earth, at least to my knowledge, has been, you know, um, a black woman. Okay. So we don't want to make this about race or anything like that, because at the end of the day, you know, archaeological evidence and history proves different things. You know, all it takes is just, not all it takes, because I know that's why I have this club to bring awareness, you know, to people of, you know, different things and his historical events around the world that changes the current paradigm, you know, the current narrative and paradigm of which we live in. So you, you got to know, you know what I'm saying? Like I told you um, about Nagajuna. So um, the Africans in Asia with, um, you know, I forget this guy's name, Eugene Adams, right? That I saw on YouTube. So he, there's a book called Africans in Asia. So, I mean, if we understand like the sand people, how they are the ones that actually created, you know, like migrated into different places. So we just got to learn our history and, you know, know that, you know, nothing, there's nothing down here that we can't tap into. So I just wanted to put that out there, guys. Um, go ahead and flash your mics if you have a question for Brother Wayne. I don't have a question, Lisa. I just want to say. And tears flashing. That's awesome. What did you say, Jerry? I don't have a question, but just listening to Wayne mm -hmm. speak, like I can't, I couldn't leave this room. Uh, I'm doing something in the back. <laughs> I couldn't leave. I really appreciate uh, Wayne, you coming on here and telling your story, especially the last one. It's just, it makes me think a lot and I, and I appreciate you for being here. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Yeah, Brother Wayne is amazing. Y'all got to tap into him for real. What I'm telling you, like he is um, a griot, you know, he has a book um, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Ancient Future. Make sure you guys go ahead and pick that book up. And, you know, if you weren't here at the very beginning of the room when I mean his his knowledge and scholarship, I mean, he worked personally with 
um, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema, right? And, you know, his books and they came before Columbus and all that stuff that you guys are reading. This is someone that was there, you know, and his knowledge base is completely, you know, far beyond anything that you're going to ever get on YouTube. This room is so special. Y'all have no idea, you know, like what's actually taking place here. This is one for the, um, the history books. Dr. Um, Dr. <laughs> Brother Wayne Chandler here on Clubhouse is amazing. So guys, the floor is open. Flash your mics though, um, if you have a question to ask. Okay, so I see Aurelius, and then I'm gonna come to you next, Ramal. Uh, um, Aurelius, go ahead. Peace to the flow, peace, peace. This is like, this is a hot topic. It is a true hot topic and a peace uh, for you coming. Honestly, you, Mr. Brother Wayne. And uh, I, I got in kind of late, but I heard some of the base topic of the conversation. And, uh, you know, I kind of like study in this field as well, you know, from the history of the Maya Nagas and the Serpent Mounds and the, and the ancient Hindus going into, you know, the Wuxian dynasties. And the, we talk about the serpents. And um, I wanted to like talk, touch in on some of those um, historical sites that um, I don't know if you t went over it already about like, you know, like a lot of the, the Hopi Mounds and uh, the Cahokia Mounds and those parks in uh, Mexico, I think it's some, some Sonoga Park, where they have the dragon mounds, right? And we get into that serpent talk. I don't know if you guys got into that, into that old calendar system when it bases the lunar calendar. We're talking about a lot of the, um, the mounds that were built here, falling to some of the ancient ancestry. And I, I love to hear it because like, when you hear the story of like how the Hindus brought it, it goes back into the Mayans and then you go into this classical Mayan, this Naga Mayan serpent thing. And then you fall into a lot of the divine Naga serpent in Egypt as well. And like a lot of people kind of get, you know, some of it kind of like misconstrued. I don't know where the direction that it actually come from. But to hear you kind of like bring some of those points up, you know, kind of like encourage me to keep study up and uh, keep that information going. And, uh, you know, if I pick some of the interesting conversations to try to speak on or if you see where I need any correction or any guidance on where I'm headed in this information, I'd love to hear some. But, um... Some information about the Pliocene and the Calavera skull of 1866, where they, where they so-called Florin dated back 438 million years, where it says that um, we were supposed to be like um, descendants of giants. You know, this is where you get to the giants and the serpent mounds and the, and the and Canaanites and uh, whatever uh, other names you have for these giant people. But they were references as women, too. So I just dropped... Some of the bars there, you know, kind of sparks your mind up or people to the floor. I mean, I'm pretty sure people already heard me talk about this, but uh, it's great to hear that, you know, and it's, it's good for us to kind of circle that in to see like a lot of that science coming from the origin. And you fall into those mounds, too. And what's funny about those mounds, they speak about a lot of the writing, the paleo writing. And we talk about paleo. Do you have a question? Well, I was just asking him, like, how does you feel about a lot of the information about what's being said about the Hopi, like, a lot of the paleo scripts that are in, like, Cleveland and the Mississippi, how they speak about those writings being, like, 40,000 years old from the paleo-Hebrew, the paleo-Greek, paleo-Egyptian, a lot of those writings coming from out of there, and how does you feel about that, too, just kind of like, because I wasn't sure what he, what he covered, so, you know, just kind of drop some topics out there. Brother Rain, you got the mic. Bottom right. <laughs> Gotta unmute your mic. There we go. So, so yeah, you know, um, again, you know, we're 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 looking at, you know, fraudulent timelines because, you know, 
it's 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 a very narrow window, you know, for um, our current civilization and for different factions within the civilization, you know, to make sense of of of, of their presence. So the timelines have all been manipulated, um, have all been readjusted, you know. So when you start looking back on what has really transpired historically, I mean, you, you'd be amazed. There's a book that uh, for those of you who might be able to find this book, I'm pretty sure it's still in print. Um, and you can probably get it on Amazon. It's called Forbidden Archaeology. And it's called the, uh, the, uh, the Hidden History of the Human Race. And in this, in, in this particular book, they go deep into just what has been found all over uh, the planet. You know, in terms of our Native American cultures, um, where, where they have found uh, a shoe print that, I mean, not, not a footprint, but a shoe, a shoe print that goes back like, you know, 50, 50 million years. Um, as a matter of fact, if I can pull this up real quick, but in terms of the Hopi, you know, one of the things that, because I have gone through those, those areas in, in the Southwest and have sat and talked to a couple of uh, Hopi elders. And when you listen to their predictions, their prophecies for where we are now, what we're getting ready to go through, and how we will come out on the other end, it all once again goes back to the only way out is in. Because one of their prophecies is there will come to be a tear in the fabric of time. There will come to be a tear in the fabric of time and those who have prepared themselves will be able to walk right through so when you hear things like that and that's just a fragment of information that i've received from them but it speaks to these timelines that i was talking about earlier that we have to learn how to tap into. And the only way we can do that is through self-cultivation practices, you know, because that's where it is right now. You know, I mean, I've traveled the world and I've been to Kemet everywhere, you know, uh, India, but it's all about your temple now. That's what's the most important is your temple and the cultivation, expansion, and refinement of your temple. All right. All right. All right.
I had a problem. I had a problem. My microphone. I got to mute you, Wayne. For some reason, every time I speak and we're both unmuted, I'm getting some feedback. So, um, perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, there was someone else on the stage that had a question. Was, I don't was, see her on the Naira. Show. It was me as well. Okay, who was me? Uh, Ramal. What's your name? Ramal. Ramal, you were next. Go ahead, Ramal. That sounds like that, Chris. Uh, what is it called, Chris Tucker? Who is me? I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> Who is you? Go ahead, go ahead, Ramal. What's your question? Uh, peace, peace, y'all. Just want to say real quick, uh, uh, Mr. Wayne it is a pleasure to meet you and be uh, in the same space as you. Um, I was in your uh, what do you call it? Um, your Qigong class that you had through Black Magic 363's channel. Um, I currently even and have incorporated a new breathing practice listening to you. Uh, I've been doing Qigong for a while. Everything you said was just uh, confirmation. And uh, your book, uh, Ancient Future, is one of the most profound books I've ever read. Uh, it is a demonstration of it's not how many books you read, but what books you read, right? Uh, I've only read a couple books, but yours, uh, the fact that I even came into it uh, was just, you know, spirit guiding me. And it's uh, it's a book to be read multiple times. I'm trying to still synthesize it. And there's so many different questions I could ask you that come from this book. But one, one in particular, because I don't think a lot of us, uh, it's not common understanding of these uh, hermetic axioms right the seven hermetic laws uh people might have heard of them but i don't think we truly understand them and you man there's just there's so many different uh, dimensions that you go into about these axioms but what i wanted to ask you is just like how you have the uh you have the memory the story of you getting hit by that car um can you speak on which axiom or which hermetic law do you think um I mean, if you had to talk about one in your experience, which would it be and, and what happened? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great question, man. That's a great question. Um, if I had one that I really needed to elaborate on and to sell, you know, uh, like just say to the, the larger body of, of humanity, it would be, it would be the law of vibration. Because vibration like encapsulates frequency, what is so relevant and pertinent right now in our everyday existence with the downloads that we're getting from the universe and what we get from other individuals, you know, that we come in contact with on a daily basis. You know, what we get when we go and sit into meditation and what we get when we actually perform the practices to elevate our frequencies. So vibration right now is the most relevant of uh, those principles. And that's the one I would sell more than any other. All right. Appreciate, All right. Appreciate that. Ramal. Ramal, did you have a follow-up? I, I was just saying, I appreciate that, brother, uh, brother Wayne. 
And you know what? Shout out to you. You know what I'm saying? For like investing in yourself and taking that workshop and, you know, continuing to actually apply the practices, guys. That's what it takes. You know, attend the workshops, you know, um, buy the books, you know, do the things, right? And then, you know, then apply the practices. So shout out to you, brother, for doing that. Uh, Appreciate you being here in the space. Guys, just a quick reminder. If you're not already following the club, go ahead and click that little greenhouse at the top, Matrix Unveiled. That is my club. Follow the club. Add some friends to the club. Make sure you click on my face. Give myself a follow. Turn the bell by my name as always because huh, we always have the most amazing rooms on Clubhouse. Okay, period. Make sure you give Wayne a follow and follow all the moderators on the stage. With that being said, the next question is to Queen Myra. Then we're going to take like about two more questions after that, guys. And then we're going to um, go ahead and let the brother leave because I know he has things to do. So, uh, Naira, are you there? Yes. Hi. <clears throat> Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Brother Wayne, um, for the opportunity. So I have a question. Is it possible that the pyramids off the coast of Cuba and the pyramids um, in like close to the Bermuda Triangle, is that possible? Is it possible that that could be Atlantis, like the whole greater Annalise? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, I mean, they they found uh, you know, pyramids all over the planet. And, you know, they've done the best that they could possibly do in trying to, um, you know, discourage scientists and archaeologists, you know, from writing about them. But, oh, man, I mean, there are two aquatic uh, archaeologists um if I can get their name, it was uh, Paul uh, Weinswig, Paul Weinswig and Pauline Zelitsky. Now they were doing um, aquatic research off of the coast of Cuba. And this was back in the uh, early nineties. And they discovered on the seafloor an entire pyramid complex. And they were so blown away by what they had seen that they knew that they could come up, go to National Geographic, go to the Smithsonian. They said all they needed was a million dollars to finish their research. Do you think they got it? No, they didn't get a penny. And everywhere they went, they could not get the funding that they needed to complete the uh, archaeological research that they were doing, you know, on 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 those uh, sites. Now, the thing that. <laughs> is 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 really profound is that those areas definitely are all part of the Atlantean plate and there are other areas that also carry you know a strong Atlantean presence and you can actually go in different areas of the world and and find i mean antarctica there are like three pyramids in antarctica that 
I've actually got video footage that was taken of them that is completely and totally amazing and showing, you know, the armed forces converging on these uh, pyramids because it was actually taken. That's the thing with these phones, you know, now nothing is secret anymore. So one of the, uh, you know, uh, armed force uh, individuals actually took the footage of what they were doing from the plane coming in and landing to them trekking up to these pyramids. And he took the footage of all of that. And it's an amazing thing, you know, to behold. So what what we see right now in the world around us is complete and total illusion. And because of the depth of the illusion, it creates delusion. And we live with and in that on a daily basis. And now the times we're in, we've got to wake up because <laughs> they're coming for us. You know, I mean, they're coming. You know, my investment program, WBC, uh, and we meet every Sunday night and we deal with the issues of how to create abundance, you know, financially. And one of the things that has come up in the research that we present are these central bank digital currencies that are about to flood the planet. And these central bank digital currencies are nanotech driven. They have biosensory mechanisms within them and, and an innate payment system that will pay you. But the thing about these particular coins is that they have an expiration date. So they actually can only be used for a short period of time before they no longer are relevant, spendable, usable. And the reason that they're designed like that is so that you can't even begin to think about establishing and building and creating generational wealth. You're literally stuck in one place financially for the rest of your life. So there are so many things that are forming right now that are creating a perfect storm. And once again, it goes back to what we did on Atlantis that is now flipping the script on us. And this is part of what we have to deal with in terms of rectification. And that's why remembering right now is so imperative, so urgent, and it's, it's so like critical, important. We have to remember so that we know what we have to do and how we have to do it. Thanks. I remember you I remember. telling me years ago, you know, about what was to come. You did. And, you know, I was a little flipping about it, you know. Um, like, yeah, 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 you know, but 
Wayne's like everything that we're doing now, like all the conversations we've been having on Clubhouse about food shortages, you know, about COVID diseases, all that stuff, and blockchain technology, um, you know, the pr- rising prices of gold, all gas, all of that. Like we were having these conversations back in 2014, 2015, and he was telling me of what was to come, you know, so definitely he's super tapped in guys we're going to take like two more questions and guys stick around because we are going to have um you know an after show so that you know um we can discuss like basically and unpack you know all all the things that we heard here today but let's do two more questions for wayne uh, because i know that he has to go so flash your mic if you have a question all right anthea you already went hold on let me see if who else wants to um ask a question just flash your mics, guys, if you have a question for Brother Wayne. Okay, I don't see any mics flashing. Um, I'm flashing. Okay, go ahead. Who was that? Nata. Oh, oh, sorry. I wasn't even looking at the mods. <laughs> go ahead, Nada. Hey, Brother Wayne. Thank you so much for your input. Um, I have two questions. Um. The first question is, what is your thoughts on Adam's calendar and um, the ancient technologies or the ancients with regards to, I know you mentioned the the pyramids, so I wanted to get your thoughts on the Adam's calendar with everything that you said. And then the final thing is, what is your thoughts on the flat earth? Where does it stand with everything that you've just spoken about? Okay. Um... No, which what what calendar? Because I couldn't Adam's make that calendar. out. What was the calendar? Adam's calendar in South Africa. Oh, okay. Um, when you look at calendars, the calendar that's broken down, divided into twenty-eight days and thirteen months. That is the original calendar that was divine, uh, yeah, because it, it was divine, but that was um, d- devised to integrate human consciousness with fourth dimensional reality. Because we live a three-dimensional existence, but that's not who and what we are. We're fourth-dimensional beings. So the oldest of the calendars that we know of that are designed like that is the Ethiopian calendar. And that calendar extends down into how it was utilized not only in South Africa, but in antiquity, also in Kemet, in um, Southern Arabia. That calendar was the template that would later create the Mayan calendar. But most people identify with the Mayan calendar and have completely stepped away from those older calendars that were utilized in Ethiopia, you know, or Kush, Kemet, Egypt, 
You know, those calendars created the basis for a technology, a cosmological technology that no longer exists. We are fourth dimensional beings. That's why you have the chakra systems in your body. That's why you have meridians or nadis that transfer, transmute, and transmit higher frequencies that takes one into higher consciousness. It's because those systems being in the body is an obvious reflection of who and what we are as fourth dimensional entities. But we don't live that. It's all there. It's all housed within us, but we just don't utilize it. We don't live it, but it's there for the taking. You know, all we have to do is to activate those systems. It's like having a mechanism that has been dormant for thousands of years, and then you step in, press the right buttons, hit the right sequence of nodules, and all of a sudden it turns on and you've got light. And that's who and what we are. And the calendar of old symbolized that. It was designed in a way, 28 days, 13 months. And it was purposely altered by Julius Caesar and put on a linear trajectory, which took humanity off of its cyclic frame of reality and put it into a linear format. And it's just, it's deep, you know, we don't, we don't know. That's why I say it's about remembering. We don't know who we are. And if you don't know who you are, then it's going to be difficult to get back to you and do the things necessary. Wayne, Wayne I not, not only do we not know who we are, we don't even know where we are. You know what I mean? So you can't. Or what, or what we are. Or what we are. We can't even navigate this. We're like in a cosmic soup of nothingness that we're just lost in. And I don't think people understand like really how important this conversation is. Guys, let me tell you something. If you do nothing else with the time that you spend on Clubhouse, go back and listen to this replay. Go back and listen to this replay. This will be up on the, the podcast, but you must listen and you must re-listen and you must take notes. And then, you know, because this is how you have to synthesize the information. It's not enough. You know, the YouTube scholars, is, it's not going it's not going to take you where you need to be. Okay. That's just uh, the icing. Like it's just a, a topper. It's just like a, an appetizer. That's all it is. You got to dig deep. And, you know, I don't think um, most people are really right now clicking with, you know, what's actually happening right now in this room. 
and the information that's being put down. You understand? And the reason that is, is because we're in a microwave generation, okay? We want everything right now being spoof fed and we don't want to sit down and take the time out to actually invest in ourselves. What does that mean? By taking the time out to be still, to, you know, adapt a practice, you know, um, adapt, you know, um, read a book, you know, that's something because everyone wants everything right now, right here, you know, read a book, invest in yourself, you know what I'm saying? Um, join a workshop, you know, invest in yourself and really do because we're at the point where the information's already here, it's in us, but as you are accessing these different conversations like this, whether it's a book, whether it's a workshop, whether, whatever it may be, then it's reactivating the codes inside of yourself. So this is a super important information. But um, go ahead, Wayne. We don't know where we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we are because and we're all discombobulated. But it's, it's our minds and the frequency that our bodies are able to hold that can actually change. It's not marching in the streets. It's not getting upset and, you know, like roused up about things that are going on that we're observing in our, this quote unquote reality, right? This matrix, it's not that. It's about, we could change all of this tomorrow. Like literally that's how fast it could shift if everybody was on the, the right accord. And it, the right accord does not mean the same accord. You understand what I'm saying? Because if we have infinite possibilities, infinite dimensions, infinite worlds, and each person is a world, we don't have to all be on the same accord to actually shift the consciousness and shift the direction of this world. Uh, I'm going to hand the mic back over to you, Wayne, and then we're going to take one more question. Go ahead, Wayne. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, what you said is, is, is so powerful because the science, and this is the science, you know, there's, there's a book by a, a, a doctor slash scientist by the name of David R. Hawkins. The name of the book is called Power Versus Force. He's written several other books since that one. That was his first. But what he brings to light, dealing with different frequencies, emotional frequencies, because that's where it is in terms of shifting, repatterning, and changing oneself. It really begins with emotional refinement. And what he was able you know to you know uh calibrate with respect to emotional frequencies was that every emotion has a specific outpouring or output and fear he measured it at 200 um unconditional love he measured at 500 he said that a person who exists within the state of unconditional love can shift and counterbalance 750,000 people. Just for that one person to be in that state and not having had any direct three-dimensional contact with those 750,000. He also said that you can take one-tenth, one-tenth of one percent 
of the human population focused on one particular goal that needs to be shifted or changed and it will happen one tenth of one percent that's all it takes um the sister had a second question and i need to hear that second question again thank you brother. thank you brother um, um the second, the second question a lot of feedback um was about the flat earth what is your perspective based on everything you've obviously learned what is your perspective about the flat earth theory that oh yeah now? yeah the flat earth theory <laughs> you know i have i <laughs> i have a friend who a couple of friends who are really into that and we go back and forth they send me information on it all the time there are a lot of different directions that i can go with that but this is what i'll say if the earth was flat then i've you know i'm gonna say two things one is that i've been in in the uh astronomical the observatories at university of maryland i used to spend a lot of time there when i lived in dc and i i've looked through those telescopes and i've looked into our solar system and my first question would be why is the earth flat when all of the other planets in our solar system around. Why is the earth flat when the model that's represented for production is either spherical or round with respect to electrons, atoms, you know, the way life is generated and expands itself is circular. Um, and I, I feel that it's a, it's a universal template. And when, when you look at sacred geometry, it falls into the field of sacred geometry. And I'm gonna I'm give you this, and I want you to ponder on this for a minute. So in ancient Kemet, they said that two interlocking circles was a symbol for the creative feminine force that brought the material universe into being. And I'm reading from my book now, Ancient Future. It represents the fundamental energy which lies at the basis of all creation and without it, nothing could be. To remove its energy from all form and matter would bring about the immediate disintegration of the universe. Now, I've never seen a woman stand up and talk about the earth as being flat. To me, 
for me, it's a very masculine construct. And because the masculine mind, which is the left hemisphere, is a very um, linear design projection of consciousness. Whereas the right hemisphere, which is the feminine mind, is a very cyclical and expansive direction for consciousness. Yeah, I think that's a bunch of riddles. You can call it whatever you want. It is what it is. In ancient Egypt, they mapped out the shape of the earth that included not only the equatorial bulge around the center of the earth because it protrudes, but also the depression in the poles. Now, the ancient Egyptians mapped that out. The other thing that they did is they created astrology, which is based on a spherical design that incorporates the procession of the equinoxes, which have to be integrated into a spherical pattern in order for them to operate and have validity. If the earth was flat, then all of those sciences would be non-existent and would never ever have been created. That's a that's very, all I have to say on the flat. Very, that's a very interesting perspective. Brother Wayne, we might have to have you back. They be look, it'd be real smoke on this app about flat earth, okay? We may have to have you back for a debate on the but you know, healthy um, conversation rather. I don't like debates about flat earth. But anyways, guys, um one more question. Um, flash your mics if you have a question. And I will I'm scrolling up and down the screen. If you have a question, flash your mic. Okay, so I see um a professor. Go ahead, you have the mic. Question. Thank you, Lisa. You know, my inquisitiveness is what led me to have a passion for science, and which later led me to become unchristian. And I learned about the calendars. So my question for you is, what calendar do you follow? And what calendar are we supposed to follow? Because now I'm like, then I don't know my age. Like, you know, that type of thing. So um, could you please um, let me know which one do you think we should be following? There was a man, um, he passed a few years ago. Um, his name was Jose Aguelos. And, oh, let me see if I have. Is that the brother that wrote the time in the technosphere? Yep, time in the technosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a calendar which is a 13 month, 28 day calendar. And it deals with reintegrating 
with that specific formula because that helps you get back to who and what you are as a human being, as a transcendent being, as, as a highly evolved sentient being. Now, the thing with the calendar is that it's very difficult to live in the world, operate in the world, in our current environment, when you are being put upon and forced <laughs> in, into these calendrical constraints that, you know, you have to abide by. So this is where practices come in. Because when I sit and I do my practices, I go beyond any kind of calendar construct. I'm connecting directly with cosmological influence, knowing, and energy. Direct. It's, it's, it, it, it's a direct connection. The thing you want to really look into the impact that the Schumann resonance has. Because the Schumann resonance is a pulse. It's a pulse that's generated from the earth. And what's really deep is that it's a spherical pulse. Spherical. It's not linear. It's not a linear pulse. But the Schumann resonance, I mean, this is a pulse that the military has been using for quite some time, you know, for its military campaigns, exercises, and such. Now, in 1980, the Schumann resonance was measured at 7.83 cycles per second. Right now, the Schumann resonance is measured between 40 to 50, and this is general, 40 to 50 cycles per second. So since 1980, the Schumann resonance, that frequency has been increasing and it's moving beyond this fabricated calendrical time frame that we've been put in that speaks only to the need for us to operate in 3D. So with the Schumann resonance, it's not really time that's speeding up. It's the creative process that is speeding up. It's the creative process that is now accelerating as new frequencies are being downloaded onto the planet. So it literally has moved us in terms of frequency past these artificially designed calendars that we've had to use, you know, to map out, you know, our point of existence in this culture. So if you can get your hands on a 13 month, 28 day calendar, which 
I'm sure you can. I'm, I, was, I was trying to think of the name of his organization. Um, and I, I have a couple of his calendars, but they're not in front of me right now. Uh, but just if you can uh, Google um, Jose Aguelos, <laughs> and she's she's going uh-huh spell that um oh, I, got it. I got it yeah we work it out l l o s jose arguelos and for those of you that are in my discord i'm pretty sure i uploaded that book it's called time in the technosphere um i'm pretty sure it's in there um yeah that's it so that's where we are you know right now you know if if you want to make a strong attempt to follow the order of that particular calendar, I'd say go for it. But I'd also say that if you really want to transcend the influence of the calendrical system that we're, you know, being influenced by, meditate, you know? Exactly. What we do you mean new frequencies? We gotta, first of all, who is talking? Please don't unmute your mics. Okay, don't do that. All right, so uh, what we have to learn how to do, like he says, through meditation, we're able to collapse those waves. When we can stand um, in the in the gap of nothingness, right? The space in between our thoughts, that's creation, right? That's the, the, um, the, the that's great- That's when the magic happens. Exactly, that's where it happens. It's called transcendental, transcendental meditation. Okay. And so if we understand, like, we don't need to be worrying about a calendar. Okay. You're the calendar, you know, uh, we're looking for a structure and we are the structure. Right. And so in order to break out of the prism of the construct that's been created for us, it's all in our mind. Our minds are the projectors in this holographic universe that we live in. We are creating the canvas of this world. And that's why I try to get people to understand through each conversation, you know, that we're having, you know, um, in the matrix unveiled and all the different platforms that, you know, we're on here on clubhouse, the podcast, our communities and, you know, such and such. So it's, you know, get out, you have to, you are, I remember one time I was in a meditation, I was really frustrated and I just, you know, went inside, went outside late on the grass at night and I just looked up into the sky. You know, and I just, you know, closed my eyes and all I saw was I tapped in. It was a bunch of black people with afros. <laughs> it was like the 70s and they were like, you know, having like disco music and all that stuff. And they were laughing. They were having such a good time. This one lady, her face, her face came to the front of the screen and she said it was like a movie screen. She said and I said to her, I said, why did y'all leave us down here to suffer? And she just laughed. Right. It was like, oh, my God, they showed us this in um, that movie Lovecraft Country um, when she was like traveling throughout space. That Oh, my God. When I seen that that part of the movie um, of the series, I was like, like, I literally had that vision already years ago. And she laughed and she said that a moment in time, you know, what I'm saying for like um, your time to us is like uh, a couple of minutes. You know, what I'm saying so it's like it's time is really um subjective right like you even experience time based upon what activity you're taking place and if you're having a lot of fun time for that what it says time flies when you're having fun 
right? But you're at, if you're at work and there's a clock and you've got eight hours, right? It moves slowly. Like it feels like an hour went by and it's literally 15 minutes. So that lets you know that time is subjective. So we got to get out of the, the idea of the construct of the calendar. So um, guys, we are going to have an after show, but I know um, Brother Wayne has to go. Any final words, um, Brother Wayne, before, and then I'm, I'm going to let you tell him about um, what you've got coming up. Any final words you want to share with us? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, the sister who uh, asked that last question regarding time, you know, one of the things with the uh, the year 2012 that's significant is that in 2012, it said that we've now gone beyond time and gone beyond money, you know. Um, Everybody on this call, if you stop and think about your days, you will find that your days are moving faster than they have ever moved. That you go from sun up to sun down in a remarkable short period of quote unquote time. You know, right now, there's like 16 hours in our day. We're not even operating, functioning, you know, on our general 24 hour, you know, design. And the Schumann resonance has everything to do with that. The Schumann resonance is the essence of what's going on with respect to transformation on this planet and it's receptive you know it's 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 receptive so that it's pulling in all of the frequencies that are coming from the sun right now our sun in our solar system and all of this all of the uh frequencies that are being projected from our central sun uh alcyon which lies at the center of our galaxy you know, all of that is coming our way and it's unavoidable. All you have to do, reach out and take advantage of it and, you know, become something other than what you are. And it's an, it's, it's, it's an easy road. All you need to do is focus and grab it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so um, I just want to go I ahead and say, Brother Wayne, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Can you let um, our audience know this is the Matrix Unveiled? You know, let them know what you have coming up and how they can get in contact with you. Bottom right of the screen. <laughs> I don't know when it goes off and when it doesn't, you know, because <laughs> my goes screen off when you're done speaking, because for whatever reason, um, when I'm, we're both unmuted, you um, I get an echo in my voice. So I just mute you and but I can't unmute you. So you have to. unmute. Uh, OK, so, yeah, um, people can go to my website. I believe you have, you know, that pin um, 
in the clubhouse so they they can use that www.waynebchandler.com i don't even think they're using the www stuff anymore so just go to waynebchandler.com that's my uh my website and um in the second week of august from the 9th through the 15th i'm having a retreat a seven-day retreat you know in mexico and we'll be you know the thing about qigong that is so empowering is that it's very holistic so on my retreats we look at relationships we look at gender specifics in terms of you know when a man and a woman come together in the mix what does that look like we look at um cultivation of internal force developing a different level of personal power so that you can express that out in the world in the form of self-empowerment we look at how to create abundance for yourself you know using energy and different modes of operation tools that you can use like for example you want to face a specific way when you want to conjure or manifest abundance in the financial realm um you want to have a strong base chakra when you do that you want to use a specific color of paper and a specific color of pen when you write out what it is that you want to manifest and you want to do that a specific number of times we go through everything it's a very holistic experience and i love it you know i mean when we entered the age of covid you know i was locked down for a couple of years for a couple of years you know i wasn't doing retreats so this is the first retreat that um i have coming up in uh, two years well yeah a little longer than that since since uh 2019. okay how okay many, how many uh, do you because i know the retreats that you do um there's a limited number of personnel so that you're able to work with each person individually um and in groups as well so um how many slots do you still have available Gotta press the bus. Yeah, give him a moment. He'll get it. Wayne, bottom right of the screen, Wayne. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that that little that little icon is imprinted on my finger. (laughs) How many slots do you have left? Because I know you only take so many people on each retreat. Yeah, I'm I'm going for 27 people. Um so we still have room. You know, we still have room. Um I'm bringing uh two of my students, two of my female students uh who will be teaching specifically the uh female qigong practices for the women and another one of my students who will be doing um yoga, you know in the morning and she'll also teach a couple of uh practices um for women as well 
So there's still space, there's still time. Is this listed on the link that's posted at the top of the page or is there another place where we can find this information? There will be, an, it will be on my website uh, tomorrow. Yeah, it's not there because I definitely checked. So it's not there, but guys definitely go there and um, there is a form that you can go through if you just want to work with him and you can just utilize that as a contact form you know um to connect either for his healing practices he said that that um will be up there in on tomorrow so you can do that and you know um also if you you're having any issues contacting wayne just hit me up in the back channel hit me up on instagram and um i can definitely get you in touch with him uh wayne can you give the people your email address as well yeah sure uh, my email address is uh wayne b chandler at gmail perfect thank you so much for being here this has been a phenomenal room phenomenal session um i know that the people are going to go back and re-listen to this so thank you so much for spending your time with us and now you can go ahead and look at the top right of your page it says leave quietly and that's how you get the hell out of here <laughs> Okay. Can I ask you one question, Wayne? We're done with the questions, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Yeah, we got it. We got to cut it off somewhere. So the questions are over. But guys, we will be here. We're going to have an after show. Wayne, if you click the top right, if you look at the top right of your screen, it yep. says the quality. Yep. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll um, call you later. Peace. 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 <laughs> All right, guys. So that was um that was the room so you know guys now the floor is open let's have an um let's unpack all of that i mean that was some some ancient future type information that we were had going on in here he broke down a lot i know a lot of people weren't in here from the beginning so this is definitely one of those things you want to go back and listen to but i i always you know in the matrix unveil i want to make sure people everyone gets an opportunity to speak and to express and things of that nature so i'm going to open up the floor we're gonna do popcorn style um, guys. And so um, the floor is open. Any comments, questions, anything, let's go. Hey, this is interpreter, do anybody know what All right, real quick, sir. Um, give me a second. Or something like that. Can you hear me, Lisa? Yeah, go ahead, Sean. Okay, yes. I wanted the, the members of the um, Matrix Unveiled in the Discord, the contact information, website and email are all there in the spiritually conscious section. Perfect, thank you so much for that. Yeah, the floor is open though. I heard a brother speaking. Go ahead, brother. I, I was asking, do anybody know what he meant when he said new frequencies or downloads of new frequencies? I was making an attempt to ask what he was speaking on that subject mm -hmm. topic because it was very confusing. What do you mean when you say new frequencies? Yeah. I'm curious to see what he says in his book about that, but I think uh, the downloads are coming from, you know, um, the galaxy. Uh, once you get connected on a vibration, you know, you start to get downloads, uh, the frequencies start to come through you. I, I mean, I, ideas, dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But absolutely. But here's the thing, guys. Right. So when he spoke about the Schumann resonance. Right. So the Schumann resonance, for those um, that may not be familiar definitely go and look it up and get familiar, feel familiar with it. There's actually a scale 
um, like live scale online, right? So like when um, there's like a mass, you know, event, you know, like 9-11, for example, like the human resonance of the planet shifted, okay? When there there's a reason for mass consciousness awakening, right? So many people are shifting. What What is at the cause of that? So that's what he means. There's cosmic energies that's, you know, coming through our atmosphere that's, you know, helping to awaken the, you know, things in your DNA that are maybe asleep. A lot of people's DNAs are being activated. The new children that are being born, they're just being born different. You know what I mean? And a lot of them have abilities that, you know, that the previous generation did not have. So in essence, with these new energies hitting the planet, it's like humanity is going through um, a new evolutionary process. Does that make sense? Can I? Not to, not to me, no. no. Can I? Can I okay, can I get, are, you here, are you here to troll, like, or do you want to have I'm not trolling. You asked the question. I'm being respectful. Okay, so what? No. Okay, if you want so, me to elaborate, I, I don't Yeah, go ahead. I mean, do so you have... The thing is, do you have the answer? Because you didn't, you asked a question, right? So either it's A, because I just gave you the answer. So you either, you, you disagree with it. And what I'm sensing is that you have your own position to share, right? But you didn't do that. You wanted to get an answer that you were going to disagree with. So what is your position? And I suspect that you disagree with it which is completely fine, that's okay. But what is your position? I'm not in disagreement. I'm just saying, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't agree with the method. That's what I'm saying. It's not a disagreement about anything. It's just that we using the same methods over and over and it becomes a big ass riddle. Everything we do, we just don't have the simplicity to get up and go and do what we wanna do because there are multiple stipulations that stop us all of these programs and and that's that's how i feel i don't want to alter anybody else's feelings I'm you're just not listening. you're not gonna so, alter nobody's feelings in this room i can promise you all right that. I'm, yeah I'm because just, the frequency that you're I'm, coming from is um you know what i'm saying a very low vibrational frequency right now okay so you asked the question the question was answered and you actually interrupted him and i'm now i'm remembering and I actually sent you a back channel. Like, can you have some respect? You know what I mean? Because he is a special guest. This, I mean, the just go read the man's bio. He's a best-selling author. And you really about to be in here challenging this shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have the right to feel what you want to feel. But don't, you are actually being the Riddler right now. Because you're asking questions that you don't even want the answer for. So next, who who's next? That's we know the Riddler in a sense. Can I play something real fast in regards Yeah, let's to go, what? let's go. Cause I don't have time for the bullshit. And now he's in the audience because we don't have no guests no more. And all this shit is going up on the podcast. You know, this is what the people love. So let's go, let's get it. Um, I just want to mm-hmm. say uh, real fast in regards to the question in case people um, really have a question about that. Um, I came in a little late, but I love Wayne Chandler. He's very knowledgeable. So the the new frequencies and downloads, um, it, it's it, you can also use light, and the information that we get from the sun, also brings information into our brains. I know Wayne Chandler has spoken on that before, and we know for a fact that the frequency and the energy from the sun is changing, 
due to what's going on in Antarctica. So just to um, be real fast and make it real simple, the energy that we're getting from the sun and the cosmos is giving us information. And that's probably the new frequency he was referring to. I would like to uh, build on that if possible, Lisa. Um, so the thing that I've been uh, having a dialogue with, with um, an astrologer up here, Starwalker, and a few other people, is this whole idea that the frequency coming in around the Taurus energy, the energy of Taurus and the bull, that's been a, a hijack that the parasitical elite and the powers of be, they've hijacked at that frequency or at least attempted to uh, to tap into it for nefarious purposes. Um, an example of this is back in, during the Taurus full moon under the Scorpio sun, they had the whole Tar uh, Travis Scott situation, right? And that, you know, Travis Scott is a Taurus and Drake is a Scorpio. You needed those two polar opposites to create that ritual that happened where simultaneously there was people from the royal families of the world doing the raising of the Jed and Osiris um, in Luxor. And supposedly they were raising up the energy of Prince Philip, who said that when he returned, he wanted to be a virus to kill one third of the population. So they, they planted a stake there. They used that energy, they plugged into it. You know, there were eight people, I believe, that passed away. And so they, they tapped into that ritual. Then flip to the polar opposite, Scorpio, Moon, Taurus, Sun. What happened? We had the situation in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo is a Taurus. Now we have these, these bulls that are dying, these, these heads of cattle that have been dying mysteriously. So the powers that be have tapped in to a Taurian frequency and have used it for nefarious purposes. So for us to be able to tap in to those frequencies and use them for our benefit means, like Wayne Chandler said, using calendars other than the calendar that we have been, you know, been been forced to use. Sitting in meditation, taking in the rays of the sun, vitamin D, and and pulling in that energy, you know, just like the the word tantra, right? When you when you sit out in the sun, you get a tan. So that whole idea of tan is an energy which affects your largest um, organ, organ, which is your your skin, your epidermis. So pulling in that vitamin D, pulling in that information, sun gazing, being aware of a calendar um, which is more ancient and indigenous than the Roman calendar. Um, something that Rod Hayes uh, spoke on is uh, you know using frequencies, tones, and symbols that go beyond and before pre-Christian, pre-Roman, pre-Vatican, pre-Jesuit traditions. You know, this would be in the form of sigils and in the form of using various, you know, colors uh, uh, on certain days based on what the planets and stars are doing. Tapping in the frequencies also, um, something that I've worked with my students on is when you have a dream or if you want to dream specifically having a ritual before you go to sleep and then taking a, a screenshot of star chart that next morning after you remember the dream to see what this constellations were above you. 
so that you can tap into those. For me, Aldebaran is a very, very frequent uh, star system that sends me information. You know, that's been happening for decades. So finding out how to tap into this grid system and into these various frequencies in a customized and unique and personal way. And then once you're finding a few other people that you can actually do ceremonies and rituals with and intentions and meditations, you know, as it says in the Bible, when two or three are gathered in my name, that's an alchemical treatise, which is you, you need a proton, you need a neutron, you need an electron. You need all three aspects of those in order to amplify that the magnetism of whatever that intention is. So that's just something that I wanted to offer. I wanted to say, if anyone is not, you know, I don't know if it's, if you all recognize it, but that title, Ancient Future, I don't know, you know, to me, I understand what that, that title means in terms of like, the cyclical time. But if you really look at those two words side by side from a linear perspective of time, it doesn't make sense. What is an ancient future? But from a cyclical, and even though time is an illusion, looking at it cyclically is more accurate and helps you to better be able to understand reality. Those two words make perfect sense side by side. And you all heard Wayne Chandler speak on uh, cyclical time and it is imperative that because you know especially our community people get you know people don't like th th this idea of reaching far back and looking for answers people don't like that as it pertains to present day solutions but the only reason people don't like it is because they don't understand how time works right the further you look back the further forward you can see right that's you have to step outside of that linear idea of time because it doesn't truly allow you to assess where you're going in life, right? And I have the thought experiment written in my bio, but I will just say just simply by journaling, by journaling alone, you can experience this cyclical aspect of time um, where your thoughts are on paper and you're able to review and look and read and step into a consciousness you once perceived with more accuracy. Sometimes our memory can be fleeting right also he has in his book again like i said spirit must have guided me to the few books that i've read because like it don't matter how many books you read you just need to write books that have knowledge versus information when it comes to explaining your existence um he said in his book that a doctor named uh miss chopra i believe her name is yeah dr chopra spoke on meditation uh, he said that uh, in a state of meditation, one undergoes definite shifts toward more efficient biological functioning, such as lowered respiration, reduced oxygen consumption, and decreased met metabolic rate. The most fascinating aspect of this research is that the biological processes of aging itself does not have to be manipulated. The desired results can be achieved through awareness alone. In other words, meditation alters the frame of reference that gives the person his experience of time simply by taking the mind to a reality where time does not have such a powerful hold. That's, that's some good stuff. Um, Ramal, actually, <laughs> I meant to ask him about, which we discussed before, but that was one of the questions. I just forgot to ask it about 
you know, why he named the book Ancient Future, but I also gave him, you know, what that meant to me. And so it's quantum physics, right? So ancient, we think of the past and then we think of the future. And to me, it's um, just waves collapsing onto themselves to show you that like the name of the book itself basically says that time does not exist. You know what I'm saying? Like ancient and future together. Like it's, you know, it's all one thing happened at the same time. So th that was a really good observation. But yeah, guys, the floor is open. Anyone can chime in. Okay. No one has any um, thoughts or comments or anything like that? Good evening, Lisa. Good evening. How are you? I'm amazing. How are you? I am fantastic. I love it. Let's go. Can you um, come a little bit closer to your microphone, though? You yes. sound a little far away. Yes, I can. First and foremost, I would like to thank you for making this space available to us, all of us, because you invite not only us magi, but you invite an assorted of, of people to come and question. Can you, um, we you, we can hear you, but... Am I still breaking no, up? No, you're not breaking up. We can hear you, but you sound like you're in a... You sound like you're across... The, like your phone is across the street from you. You know what I mean? So you sound far away. So if you can take it off speakerphone, take your headphones out, make the proper adjustments, because we want to hear you clearly. How about now? That sounds a lot better. There you go. Um, you make it so that all people can come and converse and feel welcome and feel um, appreciated. And I'm really thankful for that because there's a lot of atmospheres, especially in America, where that that's not going to happen. Um, I also want to encourage the people into the room to get familiar with people, to meet people, reach out. Um, try to meet people on the same frequency as you because I accidentally uh, came into this room and accidentally met Lisa and her vibrations. I was in another room that is not even public called the Magical Broadcast and Lisa came up and I can be a very introvert, you know, and I said, no, but she really talks about some good things. You should give her a chance to see what she actually has to say. She comes from a different perspective, and you'll you'll really appreciate some of the things that she was talking about. Um, and I do. One thing I wanted to say because I get a lot of questions uh, in my inbox about a, a lot of things. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear it barely, but we can still hear you. Yeah. Um, you 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 need a bit you need a big mic you got a little mic. <laughs> um, I've, I've been told that a lot. They say I got to get my podcast uh, game up a little bit because uh, they want to hear my books. If you haven't heard or you haven't heard, I'm I'm writing a lot of books. Uh, I wear a lot of hats and I'm in a lot of circles. So don't judge me. I'm still a student trying to learn and trying to get my bearings on where I'm going with these teachings and the studies and how to conduct myself while I'm down here on this plane, if you understand what that means. Um, 
But yeah, young. we got you. And I'll Go say ahead. this, right? That you didn't end up here accidentally. You know, there's nothing in this world is accidental. And that is why, you know, um, I share the things that I share. I try to unveil the things that I'm not trying. I'm unveiling the things that I'm unveiling, right? So that people understand that there is a design, a grand design. Oh, that, that we're you, a part of, we're a part of it. And when we're, heard, when we're executing, hold on, hold on one second, brother. When we're executing our daily lives, like everything that we take in, like we're literally giving our power away, right? And if we just knew how to be still, how to work out our subconscious traumas, right? And clear that subconscious mind out, you know, dust those corners out, get those cobwebs out of the way, and then tune your mind to a certain frequency that to where it becomes natural, there's never an accident. There's never an accident. Every person that you've interacted with, every experience that you've had, it, it was meant to happen. But how do you then, you know, um, you know, swing things in your favor in this dualistic realm? And that's what these conversations are about to teach people how to become empowered, how to become their own empowers of themselves, right? Not so someone else can empower you. Yeah, of course, you know, you go to a, you know, you go to a conference and, you know, you feel super amazing because someone is there, you know, charging you up, but can you be your own battery? That's the thing, learn how to be your own battery, get the information, but you have to process it, synthesize it, break it down and let it become a part of who you are and every human design is different, you know? And so there is no accidents at all. So I'm glad that you were able to come into the room and that you enjoyed that, guys. This was um, a real treat, honestly, because um, when you have scholars at this, you know, at this magnitude and capacity, they're not out here. They've done their work. They're not out here trying to, you know, be on this platform, that platform or anything like that. It's just because I know him personally, that, you know, I invited him and he said, yes, I will do it. You know what I mean? That he came here. So to get that wisdom imparted upon us, it's like sitting at the feet of the elders, you know, um, being able to really sit and listen to agree on someone that has done it, you know? Um, so I definitely, um, 100%, um, urge everybody to go back, listen to the replays. And, um, this is not the first time I've interviewed, um, Wayne, on a platform. I did it a long time ago on Blog Talk when I was a co-host with somebody else. So, you know, um, but this is, um, you know, on my own platform. So that was a real treat for me. And I hope, you know, a treat for the audience. I was really trying to do my best not to have a personal conversation like we do. You know, it's hard to interview your friend, you know what I mean? Because you, we have these conversations all the time. And every time I got stuck or, you know, I had questions or whatever, you know, he's the, my mentor, someone I would call and be like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm you know, interacting with in the world. And, you know, here's how I'm processing it. You know, is this right? And he would just sit and talk to me for hours, you know, so I appreciate that. So guys, don't look up on this as just something on Clubhouse. You know, it's definitely something special. So, but anyways, guys, the floor is open. Let's, um, let's unpack this, you know? What are your thoughts, Qu questions, comments? I have a few thoughts and a few things I want to. You got to fix your ask. mic though. And let's let some other people tap in while you get your microphone together, because you really sound far away. 
And we, you know, we want to make sure the broadcast is good. Um, anyone else want to chime in while he gets his mic together? Yeah. Can I, I just say something real quick. I, uh, I came in late and I just want to know, because I am, but I'm going to listen to the replay, but did he cover in any detail Turtle Island? No, we didn't get into that. We didn't. Like, we could have been here for hours, you know what I mean? But, you know, I didn't want to take up all of his time. Understood. We agreed to a, yeah, but we, we didn't get into Turtle Island, but definitely go back and listen to that. Okay. And if you guys want to know, like, information about certain things, um, just, you know, hit me up in the back channel. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be bringing different types of speakers, you know, um, onto here, which is where I'm like, you know, for now, basically recording our, um, the podcast for the Matrix Unveiled. So if you want to learn more about this certain speakers that, you know, you'd like to hear, just hit me up in the back channel and I'll see what I can do to reach out to them and bring them onto the platform and have you guys interact with them. How does that sound? That's awesome. The, the level of, um, uh, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but the scholarship that you're bringing is just, um, it, it, it blows my mind out. I'm obviously speechless behind it because I feel like I need to bring, I need to be like, you know, like a lecture. I need to be actually taking notes. And sometimes I'm like driving or whatever. So I really appreciate that you have it on replay. Um, and everyone should be like approaching this as a student because that's that's kind of where we are with it. So thank you again. You're welcome. And not to worry, guys, if you missed it, go ahead and click the link at the top. That's my digital business card. And there you can scroll down um, and you can click the link for Spotify or um, Apple Music, whichever one platform that you listen to your podcast on. Join the podcast. Listen and you know leave a comment and leave a rating i really appreciate that so yeah let's go the floor is open guys lisa hi this is eddie ronke thank you so much you dope you are just truly amazing um i have learned so much since i started coming to your rooms um i think the very first time i came into your room um rod hayes was on and I've been hooked ever since. I was blown away. And ever since then, you've um, consistently brought like meaningful, valuable content. And it's just, you know, God bless you. And thank you so much um, for everything that, you know, you're doing to raise the frequency and bring awareness to everyone. Thank you. Listen, God, you're so welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. Remember guys, I always say it doesn't take, we don't need everybody. We don't. And actually, if you go back and listen to the, um, the replays, um, Wayne broke down the science of that, right? How one person being on a certain frequency um, can represent 725,000 people and they never have to even come into contact with them. How powerful is that? So we don't need everybody. You know what I'm saying? We don't need a thousand people in the room. We don't need you know, um, millions of people to think the way, you know, that we're thinking about things. We don't need that. As long right. as the work you represent, like you have been holding a, a vibrational frequency of unconditional love, right? Um, can shift the whole entire planet. That's yeah, huge. It's the ripple because, effect. 
Exactly. Go ahead, brother. You got the mic. Yeah, it's just the ripple effect. Like, we are connected. The separation is all an illusion. There is no separation. We are all doing this together as, as one source. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, okay, well, if there's no other um, questions or comments, guys, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, did a little bit of an after show to give everyone opportunity to process and, you know, talk about it. And if you didn't get a chance to ask a question, you know, I like to make sure that um, the community is always there and that everyone gets an opportunity to speak um, respectfully. You know what I'm saying? Don't come on here with, you know, the bullshit because I'm not with it. Um, but, you know, um, for the ones that are part of the community and do follow this information that, you know, I like to get people, give people an opportunity to express. So, um, any final comments or questions, guys? You know, yes, I have some final comments. Yeah, um, okay. The most fascinating pyramid are the pyramids in the cave. There are seven primary colors of the human aura. There's three types of melanin, three types of skin. There's only one type of fire on Earth, but fire comes in seven different colors. There are seven types of clay on Earth. All of them are the shades of your skin. All religions speak on the seven different shades of man. There's four dimensions of your mind that you deal with daily, but it goes way up further than that. Plasma is the fourth liquid. Primary octaves of the vocal cords and the vocal consciousness is how they understood each other in the garden. Magnetic brain and the magnetic battery. A guy asked me about flat earth. I'm going to say real quick. Is the sun flat? Is a woman's moon is flat? Is the moon flat? If you take an orange and you suspend it in a liquid inside your sink, does it ever come to flat? The human embryo suspended nine months in a woman's atmosphere is also round. Which of the seven planets is flat? Rotation is the law of the universe. All things in the universe must move in rotation and come in contact with each other. And with that, I be peace. Hi. Um, I think one of the most powerful and seemingly simple, I shouldn't say simple, but uh, thing to, that I took away from this is doing your practices and um, how just by shifting your vibra vibration, increasing, increasing your vibration, um, working on um, expanding the energy of your un unconditional love is, is so powerful and we don't need it is not necessary for every single person to to do it as as it said um to um have to convince people and go around uh banging people over the head and say, do this, do this. It's just, just shifting. You could shift the, the energy of a room just with a, one's presence. So the, the, you know, working, working on yourself is the, is, is, the, is the one of the most powerful things to do. I agree. I give thanks um, to Lisa and to, to this particular room. Um, it's really been an honor of being able to sit here and listen to, um, Wayne Chandler, who I've been hearing of for many years and checked out some of his stuff on YouTube and things like that, but definitely looking forward to um, going over this room again, getting his book as well as um, seeing how to get into 
a workshop. Um, and shout out to my brother Mifliss, all the way from Nigeria. You know what I'm saying? We MCs, especially that we were people who, who speak on the microphone and speak vocally. It's definitely necessary, especially. Um, and like she said, we don't need everybody, but those who are willing, you know, I know I'm willing. <laughs> Let's continue to do the work. And I've definitely grown even since just being in this room since almost the past year. So I really appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Listen, we're not stringing anything along. You know what I'm saying? Everything right now is hastened. Um, you know, you can, if you're just getting started, right? The energy that's available on the planet, right? From the cosmos. Why do you think they had us locked down? And like he was saying, like once they, they edit that V mat gene, that V mat two gene, um, that's the God gene they, they, they looked for. They, I say they've been studying us since the, the Nazis and before. Okay. Um, Y'all got to get on board with this, right? So even if you just got started, it, it, you know, many of us 20 years studying, you know, maybe Wayne 30, he worked with Ivan Van Sertima. If you never heard of Ivan Van Sertima, you need to go look him up because he was a legend in bringing black consciousness of who we actually really were along with, um, Dr. Ben, you know, um, you know, and many, many others. Okay. Um, Steve Coakley and many, many others, right? Um, what's um, the sister's name that wrote um, the ISIS um, papers? Um, Francis Press Wilson. Wilson. Like these are the elders that let, laid the foundation for us. And Wayne was, um, these are his peers. These are his peers. So, but now the way that we see children are able to synthesize information so quickly you know, those of you who are just coming into your awakening, it won't take you 20 years. I promise you. We're into the quantum realm now. Okay. We're into the quantum realm. But you need you do need to do the things. You need to do the things, right? And you need to just step up and and do those practices, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, in your magical practices, in your meditation. And I say all of them. You should be doing all of them at the, at, at the same time. You literally can project out into the world, the world that you want to, to have and the world that you want to live in. And that's how we raise the vibrational frequency on the earth. It's not going around on some kumbaya, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you know, circle time. It's not that it's, it's not that at all. It's really about self and that emanates out into the world. You know what I'm saying? Just imagine if every person, um, was operating at their highest self. And this is what this is about. All this knowledge, all this information. We give you the historical data, right? To just understand your position in the world and who you are. That's going to help you in your individual practices, whatever that may be, you know? But you don't have to do, you don't have to spend 20 years because we are living in the time of the quickening. All you got to do is just get on board and, you know, do the work and do what you have to do. And that's very, very individualized and it's very, um, you know, much about yourself, you know, tapping into that Christ consciousness, raising that awareness. I mean, we are so powerful y'all. And that's always the message here, guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and shut the room down. Um, I, I appreciate everybody being here. Definitely click the link at the top of the room. Okay. That is my digital business card. You can see my website is there. If you want to donate to the platform, the opportunity is there to do that. 
um, click the link at the top. There's my website. You guys can go ahead and um, bookmark that site. Okay. Um, I have consultations that are available. I also have an ebook, a beginner's guide to visualization. Um, I've already done one room about that. Everything we're doing is going quantum, right? We, we're, we're hacking this shit. We're not slow walking it. We're hacking it. And I'm going to show you all the codes that you can apply to use. So pick up the book, book a consultation, bookmark the website and make sure you're following, you know, the Instagram. So with that being said, I want to thank everybody so much for being here today. It was a great, amazing space. And I will see you all again. Oh, by the way, guys, next Monday, I will be here throughout the week. I'll, I'll run a couple of rooms this week, you know, um, but next Monday we'll have another guest, the brother Ross Ben. If you don't know who he is, go ahead and look him up. He has a book called The Rocks of uh, Rocks of Ages. The guy is, I mean, another amazing person that is super tapped in, been doing this for over 20 years. And um, he's also a person that's not super accessible, you know, on, on social media. He has a YouTube channel. He does the 40th Parallel about, um, he talks a lot about Pennsylvania. He knows a lot of information about just the world that we live in. So you definitely want to make sure you're following the club, giving myself a follow, turn the bell next to my name to always. And whenever I put anything on the calendar, make sure you turn the bell on so you'll get a reminder when we actually start the room. So that's how you make sure you get in here because the clubhouse algorithms don't always work in our favor. So just do those um, those little admin stuff, you know, go ahead and, you know, do those things and never miss a room. So, but thank you guys for being here. Make sure you follow all the moderators on the stage. I love you guys and I'll see you in the next room. Bye. Peace, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode with our great content and the amazing guests that we bring on the show, be sure to click to subscribe so you're notified every time we have a new episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at matrix underscore unveiled and tap into our link tree where you can join our discord communities as well as our clubhouse communities and everywhere that you can find us on the internet. Thank you so much once again for listening.